on his making a difference. Oh, what? I was. Welcome to Mad Radio on his making a difference Wednesday. Man, a uh, little hiccups in the studio. Uh, I guess we had too much downtime before uh, the show. We were screwing around. Uh, man, we are broadcasting live from Fishbowl Radio Network Studios here in Arlington, Texas. Man, checking out Six Flags and. Man, the kids are having a great time on the rides. It's probably about 100 degrees out. Well, a little bit better. Maybe 97 degrees, right? Yeah. So. Uh, it's, it's actually only in the 90s. It actually feels kind of nice out right yeah, now. Yeah, it's like a cold front. I know. Man. I'm cold. <laughs> well, if you're listening to Making a Difference for the radio for the first time, welcome. We focus on the positive here at Mad Radio. We kind of try to stay away from the negative aspects of the news. We have a new segment called the Crappy News, and uh, we want like to stay. That'll be in our second hour. Yes, and we like to stay focused on that. So, uh, <laughs> only good news here. Only good news, right, Megan? Amen. So. Um, that's exactly what we do, John. We feature nonprofits, Good Samaritans, uh, we love, and comedians that make us laugh. Today's show is featuring someone who has one of the most important and underrated jobs out there, uh, Sonia Marlowe. She is a full-time oncology and, oh, tet. Telemetry? Telemetry, yeah. She'll yeah. let me know yep. if I said that right. Uh, nurse, on top of which she volunteers at... Um, Geller White, right? Rehab. Oh, rehab. Yeah, with right. with uh, detox, I think. and that's Anyway, but she's nursing is hard, so we're here to talk to her about... She's going to talk to us about all that today. And then in the second hour, we have probably, I think, the most famous and hardest working stand-up comic in the DFW area. Don't you think? He's been on Last Comic Standing. He works at a whole bunch of different American corporations. He does stand-up for the largest corporations you can think of. Um, he's won or competed in America's Clean Comedy. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a quote from Ellen DeGeneres on his website, people. Really? His name is Dean Lewis. Oh, man. That's amazing. Yeah. I was very proud to you know, that you got he is, he is not only inspired, he's trained many comedians throughout the DFW area. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, yeah. He's really putting, uh, he's putting people to work. He's, he's at all, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting him. Yeah. And, and Sonia, uh, Sonia? Sonia. Sonia. Man, that is one profession that is like unsung. Oh, yeah. I you mean, know? people go to school thinking they want to be doctors when really the people who are actually doing the hard work are the, right. the nurses. Right, the nurses because the doctor really does nothing. He comes in, writes your prescription, and leaves. The nurse is the one who takes care of you, bedside manner, the whole bit. So shout out to all the nurses out there who are, who are busting their butts <laughs> every day to make us feel better, you know? So uh, yeah. and I don't I don't want to I don't want to downplay the doctors too much because next oh, week on. we have a da- we have a doctor coming on next week so oh. <laughs> I don't well, want to I don't want to really kill her <laughs> out. You know? Well, let's so. talk about the fact that um, she the reason I met her how I even know her is that she does improv in her spare time her very limited spare time. Wow, she does improv. That's how I met her. Well, we did you, improv together. It's a stress. Being a nurse is such a stressful job. Um, you probably need something to balance it out. You need some comedy in your life. You need to. Do something to, true. You know, f- fix you. True, true, and you know? and she's um, very talented. She's very she's very funny. So let's talk about what you did over the week since Wednesday. I well, mean, I guess we just saw each other two days ago. Yeah, let's 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 <laughs> let's do a recap on this weekend, which was, uh, well, actually Monday 
which was the Jamie Gravy Roast. Yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. It was a little bittersweet, man. It was it was sad that he's leaving, but I, I wish him the best yeah. in everything he does, man. He is the kindest guy. He's got a great heart, and... uh He's gonna. He's, you're gonna see him growing in in New York, man. I really think he's gonna make it big. Uh, I can't wish him. The, I can wish him the best. I just. I'm he, so happy for him. Oh yeah, he's gonna be. Um, I think we're gonna see him on TV one day. We've already talked about that before. But um, it was interesting to see everybody dressed up. That was nice. If you guys are curious about our roast, you can watch it on our Facebook Live page. We actually uh, basically just. Facebook right. live stream the entire event. You know, and uh, except for when you left early. <laughs> well, I have to go and to then work. Then we have a part two that I because I, I stayed for the whole damn. No, God bless you. I'm I'm still tired. <laughs> it's Wednesday and I'm still tired. I should have slept more. He 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 was so trashed by the end of the night. I don't think he even remembers me giving him I think he had hug. about I think he had about fifteen <laughs> bottles of that fifteen dollars champagne. Oh uh, yeah, I can't imagine a champagne hangover. That's got to be the worst kind of hangover. Yeah, yeah. Ewey, ewey. But you know what? Uh, I'm happy that all the DF, most of the DFW comedians showed up in force to bid him, you know, to say goodbye and, to, and, yeah. and, and you know, that was nice. That was really good. Uh, Everybody I, dressing up was funny. Yeah. Shout out to Addison Improv for canceling their uh, yes. open mic. I think Sean that was, Trainer. that was like so honorable, man. That's, that's, it's classy. It's, classy. it's real classy saying, Hey, good job, Addison. Yeah. Good job, man. That, that was, that was nice. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. They, you know, I, I think roasting is its own skill set because it's not stand up. It's a whole different thing. Well, it's something you got to prepare for. It's something you got to write. You know, oh, that's it's true. That's you know. true. I think LT did a great job. Our mental speak, uh, host here, co-host at fishbowl radio. Um, she did a great job because she, she did it in an LT version, which was nice. Right. You right, know, right, she wasn't right, mean. Right. Um, and, oh, Joey Johnson killed it. Wes yep. Warren killed it. Uh, Bert, Todd Birdwell, but see, Joey and Todd both can have angry rants. Right. So, so roasting is more up their alley. You know right, what I mean? Right. They killed uh, Aaron R. I think he did a great job, and he's going to be on the show in a couple weeks. You no, know, I I, I got to give kudos to every comic that went up there. Um, That's true. It's not an easy know, thing to do. You know, it wasn't easy. Uh, it's not. It's out of their we- a lot of their wheelhouses. So they're not yeah, used Tony to. Tony was really yeah. our lovely Tony Casillas. We work with so yep. often. He was really nervous because I don't think being mean to people is something he does. Right, and <laughs> you know, it's it's it was hard. It's hard to roast a friend because you don't want to be. You don't want you don't want to offend anybody, but True. you know I think everybody did a fantastic job. Elias did a great job hosting. I mean, uh, I got a little trash at the end. You know, his shirt was, co- was shirt was coming out of his pants a little oh, bit. That, he was like, he was, yeah. you know, no, but, but that um, was hat tricks essential right there. Okay, so let's move off. We love you, Jamie. Good job. Yeah. I think. I think. Good luck in New York. Yes, let's move on to. Um, Chris Hardwick is. We've talked about him a couple times. He's actually going to host. Uh, Talking Dead, I think. Thank God. AMC reinstated Thank God, him. man, because... I would like the, to see his Talking with Chris Hardwick episodes that didn't air, please, AMC. And, and the Talking Dead would not be the same without him. Amen. You know, yeah. because he really he like really him. pulls that show together. True. I do like So him. all all the charges have been cleared? It wasn't ever a charge. It was just a story that was shared on Twitter from an ex-girlfriend. And I think he and, you know, like his, his in-laws did a good job... Um, rebuffing it. Right. I don't know how to say that in a great way. I well, mean, he, he released some text messages from, you know, the end of the relationship and showing that she was trying to come back six months after they broke up. Right. Um, but it's a very complicated um, 
It's a very complicated scenario. Relationships are complicated. You could have, you could be in a um, abusive relationship and want to come back in six months. You know, right? No, well, you know what? I just but, hope. You know, I think it was a knee jerk reaction on on the uh, on the studio and the network itself to automatically just boom let him go. You know, I agree, um, and and I'm just glad he's back to work. Yeah, yeah. Well. He, I thought it was, yep. it he was, missed Comic Con, which sucks. He missed Comic Con. Yeah, but I bet they, I bet they powered through without him. He's not the only. Yeah, no, no. Availability. No. Nope, um. Buddy. So, what did you do personally this weekend? Well, what we did, Mad Radio, and with the help of my wife, uh, we donated twenty-four school bags to oh, Fishbowl. That's right. That's right. Thank yeah. you, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we packed them up, brought them over to Fishbowl. Twenty-four. Pack school bags for the children of Martin Luther King Elementary School over in Dallas. Really cool. That uh, Fishbowl is going to donate on, I think, the 11th. That's very nice. And if you guys are in the Arlington area, yeah, and you would like to contribute, yeah. we're collecting backpacks with school supplies in them, and yep. then we're just collecting pencils. Pencils, yep. Um, you have until uh, August 8th. August 8th to donate. Really? Yep. That's quick. Yep. Um, so cut, get your booties down. You know what I did over the weekend? Uh, Slept. No, I Beat wish. Beat your kids? No, <laughs> I did, this is my last free weekend, and they all came back. Um, my son actually flew in today from being in Kansas City all summer long. I was, it was very nice to see him. His hair has not been cut all summer. It is so long. <laughs> uh, and he's like at that stage. Kind of looking like your daughter now? No, not oh. yet. No. But he's at that stage. I'm like, are you going to cut it or are you just going to let it go? Because let it go. I right. think he should. Well, you're, you're so cl- I was like, you wait until Christmas and it'll be down to your shoulder- shoulders. Because th- that's a look that you can sport. The look he has right now just looks like. He's he, awkward? Yeah. Right. Well, whatever he's comfortable with. Power whatever, whatever he's comfortable with. You know. We'll see. He's, he's an interesting little cat, though. We did miss him. Except for I, I, tr- I work from home, and so I was trying to work today, and he was like in the background talking nonstop to. And you're like, just shut up! I'm trying I'm like, to work. <laughs> just but go mom, in the room and shut the but door. Mom, I haven't seen you in like three weeks. <laughs> well, it wasn't talking to me. Oh. He already, he already did that. We already had our. I mean, he gave me two hugs. Did My 18 year old son. Yeah, he gave me a hug when I saw him, and then he gave me another hug just a, like a couple months later when we got. He out didn't the car. lift like your wallet or go into your purse. No, right? he just he goes. I just missed you so much. I was like, oh. Maybe I you did should good grow on that, that one. Maybe, yeah, maybe you should grow that hair out. <laughs> I did good on that kid. But the other kids, I don't know. But that <laughs> one. <laughs> well, hey, listen. Three, He's one, 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 out of, one out of three kids ain't bad. Thanks. It's, it's, a, know, good, it's a good percentage. Yeah, it is. You know, you have your practice kids, you have your throwaway kids, and then you have the one you keep. So. 33, 33%. Yeah, that's not bad. He's that's actually, not. I mean, it, it worries me a little bit because I don't feel like he could survive at 18. I don't think he could survive on his own very well. What but he's eight, got another year of, of high school. But what 18-year-old kid today can survive on their own? That's true. There's not probably that's not true. one out there. That's it's true. Not, you know. So I think that's the only thing we were going to, unless, oh, yeah, I'll talk about this in the show, but I'll talk about it now, too. Hey, guys, I'm performing this weekend at McKinney. Oh, uh, comedy arena. Von Don, Von Daniel has been on the show before. Um, it's at his arena in McKinney. I'll be performing there on Saturday at 10 p.m. and then on August 10 p.m. 12, you're going to stay up that late. I know. I'm so tired. I'm gonna. I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap! I feel so old. I was like 10 p.m. That's but he does improv for the rest, the beginning of the night, and then he has a stand-up show at that night at late. Anyway, and then on August 12th, I'll be at the Addison Improv. The lovely Addison Improv with Lauren uh, Riley, I know, is on it. I haven't heard who else is on it, but it's a whole woman uh, stand-up. Oh, wow. Very good. And it's at 7 o'clock. So Very cool. 
Come on down and watch me do stand-up. Awesome, awesome. Um, yeah, it's fun Well, times. that should bring us into the good news. The Dr. Feelgood scoop. scoop. <laughs> <laughs> good job. Dun, 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 dun. All right. I got to write that one down. Dr. Feelgood scoop it. All right. So, hold on, because I was writing something. Um, the first one I have is really interesting. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's called... Uh, oh! Things are getting broken. Um, it's called Chummy. It's an app that allows people uh, to ask for help with things that they may need, whether it's like a cat carrier, renting a car spot for a month, moving houses, or searching for a lost pet. Um, it's, it's, of course, done by where you're located. So it's... Um, an app where if you have other people in your community and they see that, they can offer up their <coughs> own assistance. So it's a like a way of, you know, you used to go to your neighbor's house and be like, hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Now we have a technical, technological way of asking for whatever we may need from our neighbors. Um, they call it like a bat signal in the real world. <laughs> and we're, they're trying to unite caring individuals who enjoy paying it forward and making the world a better place. So I thought I would cover it because I like okay. that little thing. Um, the app depends on people's proximity. So obviously, if somebody needs something from your old neighborhood, New York, you're not right. going to see it here in Texas. Um, but it helps people develop real life connections, too, which I think is something that we've lost. Yeah, we've lost, man. You, that, 100%, it's becoming man. scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you don't see kids playing outside anymore. You know, they're, they're, everybody's in the house. You don't see... People don't interact anymore. The, the emotional value is gone. Everybody's text messaging or video chatting or, you know, no one. It's weird. It is. is. what it is. Because, uh, honestly, I, I'm a salesperson. I don't know if you know that. You can get your lighting from me. Anyone? <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> so. Be dark. <laughs> hi, LED lights over here. Um, but they, so I've noticed this. Like, I email, and I've, I told you I had an issue with my emails. But right. I, I email people, but I really get more response from um, text messages from calling oh from calling from actually like call, because <coughs> because it's rare to receive a phone call a phone call yeah and people, these people. yeah you know, and people either like either it's automated or whatever when they hear when you get to talk to a real person they, they're like oh my god finally yeah. a, talk, a real person exactly a connection i don't know so. hey joe and mildred thank you for watching who's i don't know who that is how you guys doing um, oh, right. So the second, the second Dr. Feelgood news was on a flight to Chicago. This is the one that I told you I started crying when I was reading it again. So I'm going to try not to cry. Um, Kimber, Kimber Bermudez um, was asked by her, her, you know, when you're on a flight, sometimes people ask you, ask for what she did. Right. She's a 27-year-old and she um, teaches in an underprivileged school in Carlos Fuentes Elementary School. And she chatted it up with the guy next to her. She called him a very kind man and told her what she did for a living and how she just gushed and gushed about how she loved her kids. She loved her, you know, even though it was difficult because they're under, they're impoverished. Um, he asked what the greatest challenge was. She said, I told him working with low-income school can be heartbreaking because they need things that they just can't have. Like school, they can't like do. school books and bags. Exactly. And like, that's like what we're, we're doing. doing right we're doing it right now. Um, she praised all the wonderful teachers who delve into their own pockets to provide the kids, whether buying school supplies or clothing or even toiletries. I luck out and I live in a place that doesn't have to do this, but I'm, see, I'm getting teary. But, I can't imagine for teachers because they don't make very much anyway. My, my niece is a teacher. It. My niece is a teacher in Colleyville and she spends close to $500 a year 
on school supplies and doing up her classroom and the whole bit. And Colleyville doesn't seem yeah. impoverished. No, teachers all around. In order for, I mean, they'll give you your basic necessities, but most teachers have to take out of their pocket crazy. to to do certain things for their classrooms. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. So a man, so the man told her he works for a company that donates. So this guy she was talking to for talking to works for a company that donates school supplies and asked her for contact information, and she was stunned. And then the guy behind her tapped her on the sh shoulder, apologized for eavesdropping, and then handed her a wad, of, a wad of cash and said, "Do something amazing with this." When she looked down, she thought it was a hundred dollar bill, and she began to cry. Um, it didn't end there. A man across the aisle was listening, too. He reached in his pocket, gave her $20. Another man was listening, reached into his pocket, gave her $10. Um, wow, next time I'm on a flight, I'm just going to say I'm a teacher and I need school punk. supplies. <laughs> and um, she said, I'm not here to solicit money or do any of that. And they were like, I know, but we were just listening to you and your voice. Use your gift of talking. You were amazing. And when she got off the plane, she looked, and that man who gave her 100 was actually a $500 bill. They still make those? I don't even know what those look like. <laughs> I didn't know they, I didn't know they made $500 I mean, like, bills. What is, is this fake? Is it's, this real? It's, is this was it Monopoly real? money? No. So isn't that amazing? Like I started crying. I'm trying not to cry right now on the air. But Well, you know, they're, they're, I just found that very moving. There are so many good people out there. There really are. Um, and it sucks that we don't get to hear more of these stories on the news. And I'm, glad, and I'm glad you bring them forward. And I'm glad, I'm glad you researched this because they do need credit. These people... You know, and they don't it do it for the publicity. They, yeah. don't, they don't do it for publicity. Just spread the good feeling. That's what right. it is. Okay, yeah. next. The last one, last but not least. So this is for Texas. It's a, for a Texas couple that's actually in Austin because he always gives me a hard time if I cover somebody in England. Um, yeah, I hate anyway. England. <laughs> so anyway, uh, there was a couple. Oh. I'm just going to say Rojas and Martin. They were a couple who were expecting a baby and they went into labor prematurely when they were on vacation in Greece. So Martel is 30 years old and she was just 24 weeks pregnant when she and Rojas, who's 35, set off on their final vacation to Greece before becoming parents. She, three days into their vacation, her water broke and they had to rush her to the emergency room. Doctors were able to hold off the delivery for about two weeks. She was in the hospital in Greece. What, what they put a plug in? For two weeks. Oh, how, do you, how, do you, you how do you hold with, up the pregnancy for two weeks after a water broke? You got a, a nurse boat. coming in. You can ask her, I swear. <laughs> you're going to labor. You're going to labor. The no, baby's coming out. not at 24 weeks. It would be it would be de deadly to well, the child and to uh, her. And, and her water broke. Yes. So they, they held her off for two weeks and then the baby was still born in critical condition at 26 weeks okay and this was December 9th in 2015 so I know it's a two year old story but th there's a reason why the baby remained in the hospital for 95 days and unable to work because they were in Greece Rojas and Motel quickly depleted all of their savings can you imagine being stuck well first in off in the middle of listen, a first crisis. off your wife's pregnant okay your wife's pregnant and you can afford to go to Greece and your name is Rojas. I don't like you anyway. You suck. <laughs> You're such a New Yorker right now. Okay, so Rojas and Martel weren't on their own, though, because during the ordeal, Rojas contacted his employers which at Encompass Health. It's a Birmingham, Alabama facility and home health care service provider and explain the situation. They have a whole division set up for this. Um, so they have a foundation and organization that helps employees through unexpected tragedies. And from the foundation, Rojas and Martel received over about $7,000 of support to get them through Greece. And then they reassured him as well that he would have his job when he got back because Lord knows. Right. I know if I didn't show up to work for weeks on end, they'd be like, okay, that was nice. Nice you knowing you. You don't show up for days. They're going to week. 
not six well they weeks, were on weeks right. so they they had a, a garage sale they raised money um they brought in different money from different things the family remained in greece for six months because of the baby they couldn't wow. travel with the baby as both martel and the child uh health improved and then the couple covered expense was covered expenses by the foundation's grant and then money from friends and family and donations and they were able to return home in may and the baby again was born in december can you believe that I can believe that, and, but that's crazy. I just thought, you know, there are some good companies out there. I mean, the fact that they have that even available. Well, I'm is glad. I'm glad. Amazing. I'm glad the baby's all right. I'm glad the baby's. The baby's all right. okay. Mommy's now okay, and they're back home. And he got, and he was born in Greece. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. He's going to have a dual citizenship, I think, if Greece is like we are. Yeah, he should. He should. Yeah. Definitely should. So, guys. Uh, well, that was great news. Thanks. All from this country. <laughs> Which I it love. Was. Good job. Which I love. I know. God forbid. So let's go talk to. Let's uh, pause for a commercial break real quick and go get our amazing Sonia Marlowe to oh. talk to talk to us about her nursing um, job. All right. <laughs> I, I didn't <laughs> say talk. that well. Oh. I'm so tired. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, just stand by. You'll listen to the Mad Radio, making a difference Wednesday here on the Fishbowl Radio Network Studios, and we'll be bringing in Sonia right after this. Welcome back to Mad Radio and Making a Difference Wednesday. Whoa, that went a little too long. You need a lock talk? I got it. Oh, yeah. Man, we got in our studio today. We have Sonia Marlowe. Hey, well, great to have you. She's a nurse over at uh, Baylor White. And what's the last one? Actually, Scott, Baylor, right? Scott and White. Ba- Baylor, Scott, and White. I don't want to get those guys pissed off at me <laughs> by putting their names in a different uh, order. So how long have you been a nurse? Order. 29 years. 29. Yeah. Wow. You know what? I've been in the emergency field for over 30 years, um, and I have such respect for nurses. Uh, You guys are the unsung heroes behind so much. I mean, 12-hour shifts. I I, I don't want to do an eight-hour shift, and you guys are doing... (laughs) You're doing 12-hour shifts with such cranky, cranky people, and you always keep a good bedside manner. Well, don't so. get me on my soapbox about 12-hour shifts. Everybody who knows me knows I have a soapbox about that. But, well, thank you for being an emergency service. Oh, well. What got you into – oh, you're welcome. Well, what got you into nursing? Wow. Um, my mother was a nurse and then one of the first nurse practitioners before it became – Wildly the, the popular thing, right, like right, it is right. now. Yeah. We're wearing those little hats, you know. Like I started the, out wearing <laughs> support hose. And did you really? Caps. Yes, oh. I did. Yes, I told I am. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fun. And no, no. <laughs> so I actually was a nurse aide at first and um, went to LVN school, which was uh, grueling. And um, thought, you know, I don't know. I'll do this for a little while. And then found out I really loved it. And I was kind of good at it and built relationships with all these amazing strangers. Right. Um, Making a difference in their lives every day. That I'm still carrying with me to today. Um, So, yeah. That's lovely. I I can't. I I don't know what else to be in life. (laughs) I can't think of anything else in my life that would fit me or fulfill me. Well, yeah, so. I was actually shocked because, like I told you, I um, met her through doing improv. Right. And when you find out that she's a nurse for oncology mm-hmm. at the time, are you still? Uh, actually, I'm doing uh, medical surgical cardiology. And okay. Cardiology. Oh. Yeah. So okay. yeah, you but switched? that seems hard. 
been the majority of my career has been oncology. Was it kind of depressing a little bit? Um, when you met me and I had gone into improv, it was because I was looking for some, some happiness. Yeah, uh, we'd had some really crushing losses. Yeah, because you're dealing so, with people who yeah, are fighting for their de- lives. Right, you develop a relationship with people and you, you're oh. taking care of them, and all of a sudden, you know, God, that you find out they're terminal, and they. Well, at Bumsy, especially, we're doing inpatient, and so um, our patients are with us for four, five, six weeks or longer, and so you just do life with them. Yeah. Um, And even on an outpatient basis, when I was working outpatient, um, you know, you know everything about them. You know their their kids, their kids' names, where they're going, what they're doing. You know everything about them. And so it's it's, so it's like losing a family member. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Pretty so much. if they lose their, much, their yeah. battle, yeah. you've lost. Except you've chosen this family member because you really like them. Right, right, right. <laughs> God, that's yeah. That that's gotta kill you. So you moved over to explain to me what telemetry was when you told me that. I was like, I'm gonna just act like I knew what you said. <laughs> I just, uh, what is it? Heart rhythms. Okay. People come in with chest oh, pain okay. and things like that. Okay. So you're running the EKGs, the 12 leads, and all that other stuff on. Yeah, them. but I'm on the floor, so um, we're. Uh, we're watching the patients. We also have a monitor room that that helps us oh, okay. watch all of that. But we, like in the last couple of weeks alone, we've had pneumonia, pancreatitis, chest pain. Oh, wow. I mean, you name it, we get it. Um, so a lot of respiratory illness with... Over the last couple of weeks? Over the last couple of weeks, especially the summer with yeah. the ozone layer going orange. Oh, Ooh, okay. Yeah, okay. it's been like, rough what on in the folks. World? Well, I mean, 110 degrees sounds terrible for every for every all of us. Yeah. I'm telling you, my allergies are killing me, and I don't have allergies for the last couple of days. I've been I've been horrible. I've been horrible. I feel I feel it in my chest. I feel it in my throat. I really want to scratch my nose right now, but I know <laughs> that I'm my on nose Facebook multiple Live. Times. <laughs> Eh. Hey, well, it transitions every one, the, the screen transitions every once in a while, so yeah, we'll let you know you when you, it's like running past, past a sprinkler, you know, so, we'll let you know when you're on the other end. <laughs> so we try to um, keep it light, even though we have nonprofits on or we have people like something serious like this. So how many times have you been puked on? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't even enumerable. I can't even begin to tell you. And if you want to talk about other body secretions, I mean, <laughs> those are in the thousands. <laughs> oh, I can't even. I was just you swimming know. in pee yesterday. You know? Oh, no. <laughs> it's How do you stay healthy? <laughs> uh, sometimes you don't. But, uh, you, know, you have a killer immune system I after a while. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> when you first started nursing, did you get sick constantly? And then it was like. Oh, yeah. And when new strains of things come along, oh, no. I catch up. You're yeah. the first one, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't had the flu in 14 years, and I got it this year. So oh, no. It's, it's just as sucky as I remember. Like, it hadn't changed. <laughs> You're like, this is terrible. I wish this there was terrible. something we could do to get rid of the flu. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. a flu shot doesn't work. It doesn't work. So it's only for one strain. It's, all a, it's just kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, it's crapshoot yeah. on a strain. Yeah. So that grosses me out, the idea of... Uh, <laughs> All of that. And in fact, I was thinking about going to nursing and now I'm like, I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't go into that. (laughs) So what's, what's something that grosses you out if you deal with that all day long? Do you get, do you have a really strong stomach? Do you get grossed out? Uh, The only thing that really grosses me out and I, I like, like, I like gory gross stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I am the pimple popper queen. Like I love that stuff. I love it. But I don't like. And I'm just going to look at John because generally it's men. Are you saying a catheter? Who? Oh. No, oh. I love oh. doing a catheter. Oh, I bet you do. Uh, 
That's a good I time. I didn't know if you were going to go there or not. Oh. You know what? I just got numb from my leg, my knees. You ever, you ever watch one of those? You ever watch one of those uh, shows where people like walking on the edge and you know, like, like from buildings of yeah, you get that little ooh. I don't. Every time you say Catherine, it's just like gives me that chill. Like oh, you know, I was I was in I, I worked in East New York, Brooklyn as a medic, and um, we used to get a lot of gunshot wounds, mm. and they would be unconscious the whole ride to the hospital. I mean, you. As soon as they put a catheter in, I've seen grown men, unconscious, probably half dead, jump up and scream. Yeah. From a dead, from from flat, you know. Because of a catheter. For the because of the catheter. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god. Yeah. Women are kind of like I don't really care for that, but men are like, their well, nails come out and they want to, you know, attach themselves to the ceiling. I, but yeah, I yeah. totally believe women have a higher pain. Uh, oh, absolutely. But oh. men deserve that because you <laughs> see, they hawk loogies and loogies that gross me out. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. So, yeah. good, job. good job. She got back to it. All right. Okay. So we've got circle. You know, loogies do that is gross. But there's is, so much of the other stuff that you were talking about that I would just be like, and now I'm tapping out. Don't we have someone for this? Like uh, <laughs> poop, poop, all that. You, you are the someone for that. That's no, the no, thing. No, no, <laughs> no, no, no. You are that person. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm sure each nurse has their own little things that you know yeah. that really. Get to them. Get to them, you know? Yeah. Now, you started out, you you were in oncology for how long? How many years? Well, out of the 29 years, it's probably been more than 20 altogether. I've done just a little bit of everything. Okay. What did you enjoy the most? I mean, uh, floor nurse, floating, ER, pedi- pediatrics, you know? The three things I have not done is ER. Okay. Because I'm not a treat them and street them. I'm right. I get you attached and I want to follow them home. Um, I haven't. I've only tapped my toe into women's services because screaming hormonal women are. <laughs> I feel your pain. Yeah. Hey, I've had two babies without pain meds. Ah. Uh, but I didn't scream. Not once. No. Not even when I was a switching. Yeah. Uh, like, because what's the point? It doesn't help. It doesn't help? No. I don't know. It seems like it would help. No. Cuss no. words, too. That's no, I might have cussed at my husband. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but he deserved it. I was going to say. So it was yeah. fine. Anyway, but go ahead. So, And um, I haven't really been in the operating room. I've just touched a toe in the operating room. So out of every... like to put a toe tag on? <laughs> <laughs> That's messed up. No, that oh. is messed up. But hey, yeah, nurse, I'm... go... Uh, Go tag that one. <laughs> I've done a lot of that. I'm going to play golf. Um, um, I've liked it all, honestly. Um, there's aspects of, of each thing that I did that I didn't like. Like, I didn't like being on call. I oh, don't yeah. like the beaver no going does, off in right. the middle of the night. and right. So I could never be a firefighter or anything like that. I, I don't like being awake in the middle of the night and, yeah. and trying to function. Um, but... With each job that I had, I felt like I was, you know, doing something important. Yeah. Um, well, you are. Yeah, I mean, you you definitely are. Uh, like I said, nurses run the hospitals. Pretty, well, that's true. With, you know, th- it's a widely known. It's widely known that we do. Yeah. However, I mean, you know, yeah. doctor comes in five minutes, charges you forty grand, and then you guys do the rest. <laughs> you know, he's off to playing golf or. Yeah, you know, whatever. I will say that I have had the benefit 
um, and I'm generalizing, but I really have had the benefit of working some, with some, some amazing doctors. physicians who who were very. In fact, the first hospital I ever worked for was a physician-owned hospital, and now that's a rarity anymore. And it's not owned by physicians anymore. But shout out to San Angelo, Texas, Angelo Community. Right. That's where I started out. Um, phenomenal. Uh, oh, wow. Phenomenal educators, appreciative of their nurses. Well, that's so, good. I, I think that there's also been a uh, push for physicians to um, be more appreciative of their nurses over the years. Instead of talking down to them and f- feeling that they're just... They're more of a colleague now, and they right. have to be because everything is become so specialized and so technical and there's so many medications out there and right. um, they depend on us to be the patient advocate and also watch out for them because they can make mistakes yeah right, you don't right, want right. to get sued Th- that literally um, was one of my questions was how do you not punch doctors in the faces uh, <laughs> but if it's gotten better then how did you not punch him back then in the face <laughs> well don't get me wrong there's still times I want to punch him in the face right now <laughs> And that's where your professionalism comes in. <laughs> You're like, no, yeah, no, no. I won't punch you in the face. My my son's my son's uh, fiance or girlfriend, but could probably gonna be his fiance real soon. Uh, she's a nurse in New York, and she just finished her internship, and she loves it. She's doing her twelve hour shifts and her rotating shifts, and she says some of the doctors um, that she works with are great, and then there's that that few choice ones that talk down like you're just a nurse. Now, she blows it off, but, you know, she loves the field as well. Well, um, I think the ones that treat you that way would do that no matter what, what field they were in. in. Yeah, they're You're just right. going to be that type of person. But Do you have a lot of physician assistants, PAs? Uh, we have a few in the mm-hmm. hospital, becoming more and more. We have a lot of nurse practitioners. Okay. Um, what's, the, what's the difference between a nurse practitioner and an RN? Uh, okay, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, so for uh, thirty points, <laughs> and uh, I thought you were going to ask the difference between an NP and a PA. Um, uh, I know it. I I know some of these answers. Go for it. All right, good. I Buzz, in. Able- Buzz in. Buzz <laughs> in. So a nurse practitioner is someone who's who's really close to actually almost being a physician. Like she's gone up to a level that the RN is a registered nurse. That's Probably a bachelor's degree, I think, and then the nurse practitioner is maybe a master's degree. Is that a specialized, specialized service? Um, Nurse practitioners would probably, I don't want to say take offense, but they would jump in quickly to educate you on (laughs) (laughs) that they are not uh, physician-like. We there are two different models of medicine. There's a, a medical model and a nurse model. Oh, and the nurse model is more educated oriented, and more like I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you and I'm gonna teach you how you're gonna take care of yourself. A medical model, which is important too, is I need to figure out what's gonna going on with you and I need to get treatment going. Yeah, I need to diagnose and give. I need to diagnose and go. Which is not to say that nurse practitioners don't do that. They do do that. But they're a little bit more education oriented okay. um, as far as I th- I'd like to say they're more people oriented. Okay. Um and uh they have an advanced practice um licensing it's um, so that means they gotta get their own insurance it's a very tough program it's a uh, the lowest level is masters okay. and there's a doctorate and nurse practitioner as oh, well wow okay yeah so do they have to get their own medical insurance they have to get all Just their like own medical insurance they can write prescriptions nurse practitioners can work independently of physicians PAs or physicians assistants have to work under, under a doctor's license. Uh, under a doctor, I did not realize right. that they have their own license, but they have to work under the auspice of. So a nurse, and pro- so a physician's assistant is it literally just 
they just quit a little bit earlier than the physicians did. I have a couple of family members who decided to go that route, and I'm like, why? When you, well, the when schooling you put, is almost, when you is put almost all this as long. Time in. The schooling is exactly. almost as long, yeah. Exactly. Well, I think because the PAs probably have a better quality of life than uh, what a, a physician does. Okay. Um, PAs and MPs both have tough jobs, but um, they're rarely the ones that have to cover over you know 24 7 or have uh, to take ed okay. call or whatever so okay. yeah um that makes sense then. yeah the docs the docs have it hard and that's why there's a physician shortage yeah well and i thought some of that would might have to do with the fact that we are so happy in this country it's definitely taking its effect you know mm-hmm. and um the cost of college has oh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah everything's gone up for just yeah. somebody with a bachelor's in none you know, right. technical. Yeah. Um, the new grads that I know um, that are graduating with bachelor's disease, bachelor's diseases. Bachelor's diseases. <laughs> Look, that's a whole different hey, segment yeah. on Mad Radio. Yeah. Bachelor's diseases. It, that could be really close. <laughs> to that could actually, yeah. You know, let's talk as yeah, yeah. you. Know, bachelor's diseases. <laughs> walk to your Tinder dates. Never buy your dentures in the mail. That's my. <laughs> anyway. Bachelor degrees uh-huh. are graduating with sixty thousand plus in, oh, I can't in student, student debt. debt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that's and then they have to cover their insurance and everything. Right. Like uh, I can't imagine. And that's just you know a novice nurse coming straight out of school, yeah. trying to go to work with all that debt load. And so if you see you, in twenty nine years, you must have seen so many different changes. I oh mean, a, yeah, a Tons. boatload of changes. Not only in um, medical breakthroughs, but equipment and everything else constant CME credits that you have to go to for or mm-hmm. a certain yeah. amount. So your your work never ends. Your constant no actually your schooling never ends. You constantly have to update and upgrade and you know certify on different things. Right, right which is actually kind of uh, it's kind of a burden but kind of not because it keeps you fresh. Right. Um and yeah. I man 29 years ago I had the inside route on a couple of great drugs that I should have <laughs> if I'd had a dime to my name oh, I would have yeah, bought yeah. some stock in and we'd <laughs> be talking about like why I'm a billionaire now yeah. but um in 29 years what's the biggest breakthrough that you've seen that the changes in in the medical profession. Wow, that's a big question. Well, like, well, like, what's up? Like, all right, telemetry or uh, people in, are living so much longer. So, yeah. and we're still retiring at around the same age. We're still, or yeah, later, or I, later. Yeah, they're working. They're going to start working longer. I think. You I know, think so. um, that's yeah. what it seems. Yeah, to yeah. The uh, the people that I'm taking care of on the floor right now would have been the people in ICU and on death's door twenty nine years, years ago. ago. Wow. Yeah. Because of the advances that we've made in medicine. Yes. And preventative care. Right. That's good. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, diagnostic has been a big, big thing because the sooner you can diagnose something, the sooner you can start treating it. Yeah. Um, I remember my first leukemia patient. Um, oh. I can say his name. His name is Charles Sali. Oh. And um, I still remember him from all those years ago. And I'm thinking back, thinking, Wow, we just had a couple of therapies. That was it. Stem cell was not even right. a thing oh, yeah. yet. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's been and huge he, advances. Did he survive? He did not survive. Well, because no. that was yeah. st- that long ago, right? Yes. But today he may have prolonged his life or survived with the with the updated medical. Absolutely, he would. Absolutely, he would. And just to give you a, just a community type change, um, my husband would come to the hospital. He met. My patients, he knew them. Um, the nurses and staff could smoke in the break room. 
that's a little different, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you'd go into a patient's room that was smoking, and you'd be like, okay, not with the oxygen on. Right, Turn right. off the oxygen. <laughs> Please don't blow yourself up. Please don't blow yourself. We, we don't want to have to do ER in this part of the hospital. Right. Well, I, <laughs> we want this part of the hospital to still be here. So, you know, yeah. You know, and they've had they've had a couple of uh, I mean, just on blowing up patients. I mean, um, there's there's Haven't been done that. There's, there's, been, there's been a couple of of those known with laser surgery through through when they put the oxygen tent on on people. If you if you Google it, you'll see there's been what? so many there's been so many oxygen related explosions in hospitals ER uh, ORs because they would put there'd be a leak in the oxygen it would set out along the tent uh. once they did the laser it would there's a lot of people that were scarred from that okay yeah that's why I don't do OR yeah. <laughs> there you go you, you, you can actually blow up you can actually blow up because oxygen scary. is flammable it is definitely flammable yeah well yeah. and you're I mean you're in the room with a lot of educated people you'd think somebody would have would have well, thought of yeah. the failures whatever <laughs> so so also in the hospital you got the um the the guy who is above the doctor who makes probably the most money is the anesthesiologist oh um how do, how do I don't want to make any doctors mad, but you know what? The anesthesiologist is who runs the room and the operating yeah, room. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's like wow. the head honcho, right? Yeah, it, because he's keeping you alive. alive. Yeah. yeah. Um, so surgeons have a certain type of personality. Anesthesiologist. <laughs> she said that with a smile. That was, that was telling. Just a little um, telling. <laughs> um, anesthesiologists have a different have a different personality too it's a little bit quieter a little bit more reserved and then it comes out when it needs to yeah. oh. uh, so you That's you nice. want to make sure your anesthesiologist is on it i had a couple of nurse friends who were like i want to study anesthesiology yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. because of being a nurse for that you make almost you know the the doc anesthesiologists make more money than the surgeons right but their their insurance is also higher it's high the crnas um is what you're talking about Uh and um yeah they have an incredibly difficult program um they work hard to get that crna to get that but they have a great quality of life after that i would not be a good fit by the for that because i like to talk to my patients (laughs) (laughs) i like them awake and yeah (laughs) hey let's talk about this while he's operating how are you you feeling right now (laughs) Uh, that would be perfection for me Like I just have to watch some monitors and no one's going to like pee or poo, hopefully. No, no. They've got everything hooked up. I could do that nursing. Just some knobs. Those catheters, yeah, they've got those, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I could do that nursing. (laughs) I'd be okay with that. Uh, I really like what I do. I, um... You know, I was I was trying to get nurse feedback when you said it's a make a difference. How nurses make a difference, and Aww. and um, everybody has their opinion about how. I, I think that how nurses make the most difference is by being patient advocates. Right, uh, like we're kind of the in between between you and what the doctor's saying. So, I hear you saying one thing; he hears you saying something else, and we're in between to make sure you both are understanding each other and. Um, even in the cases of like med errors or you're about to right. light your oxygen on fire, right. we <laughs> we are the uh, there's a saying stop the line. We are the okay stop the line. I need some clarification here, uh, and the idea is that nothing further happens okay. until the nurse understands exactly what's about to take place. Um, 
uh, we're the go-between between multiple entities, and and it really can be exhausting at times. I bet um, you have to be very good at communication. You have to be very yeah. good at communication, and um, and have a heart. Having a heart helps. Yeah, um, I would say, without trying to be mean to myself, I have calloused over the years. You have to develop. What's a, the probably have to? What's you the do? burnout rate? Oh, it's high. Yeah. In fact, I looked into, um, I just did, I'm in my master's program right now, but so I just kind of have access to some websites. And, you know, the average nurse, like fresh out of school, is staying about seven years. That's it. And then they're giving it up. Giving, giving up the, it up. So giving much debt. For wow. So much debt. But we're just killing our new nurses. <coughs> I mean, we're killing our nurses in general. That's my opinion. We're really killing our new nurses. Still? Say that again. There's not enough of you guys still? Um, is there a shortage? There was. I remember there was a shortage about probably a decade ago. They were really pushing for people to go into nursing Well, programs. people went into nursing, and now they're going out of nursing. Uh, and there's a shortage all over again. Yeah, it's, it's because um, probably staff in any organization oh, is where they try to save money, right? Right. Uh, but if you save it with your nurses, so to train an oncology nurse, let's say, to get her fully functioning, it's around an eighty to about $120,000 proposition. Wow. Wow. So by the time you get her out? completely up and going. Yeah. So you have spent that money, invested that time and energy in, in, that, in that nurse. Uh-huh. Or and then you're... Uh, you're slamming them with patience, and you're slamming them with um, a lack of emotional support. You know, uh, uh, that's something where we, we don't. Uh, firemen, you were right. EMT firemen, yep. yeah. yeah. And they do that very officer. well. Nurses don't do that as well. Right. We you don't, don't. You don't have. have you don't have that criminal critical trauma debriefing or we anything do not. like that. You no. should. Too. You should. We should. You really should. Yeah. And so the burnout rate is high, and all these young ladies and young men. No, like, did they when you, you looked at that study that seven years they they quit the profession did it show where they took their profession to were they still using their nursing degrees or did they move to another profession altogether that's a good question a lot of them move into they they still use their degrees but in ways that i would have never dreamed at seven years like um some of them are going into research some of them are going into you know medical sales different things like that but at, at seven years of nursing, man, I was still eating up being at right. the bedside and being with my patients. And it, what takes, it, ta- it takes a special person, man. It really does. It takes I think a spe- it's very true. It takes it's a special like person to keep teaching. going, right? Yeah. To keep going. Well, I, I think too that this is you know the early '90s when I was really say I would have been like what '96 when I was hitting my seven year mark. And we weren't carrying five and six patients each. We were carrying maybe four patients, and we had plenty of tech help on the floor. And so you had that time to invest without running yourself down. Wow. Um, And now they've cut back on all of that. Yeah, 12-hour shifts came into being when I was about 27 years old. That's, and I said at that's that time, tough. I said, that is a tough I am shift. already too old for 12-hour shifts, and I'm only 27. Yeah, that's, yeah. I mean, I, that's, I, got, I, gotta, I didn't realize that. I yeah, didn't realize it was I got to give a shout-out to all the nurses out there. Um, you already have. Yeah, I mean, 12-hour <laughs> hour shifts are just, I mean, it doesn't only take a toll on your body. When you talk about shift work, I mean, it's... It really screws with your mental capacity and I think the whole bit. It screws with your physical oh, yeah. well-being as well. There's no way to adapt to that. No, the statistics are in. I mean, they have the statistics that say the mortality rate, the medication incident rate, the injury rate, and I'm talking about patients and nurses, yeah. all across the board increases after 
3 p.m. significantly. So from that 3 to 7 window. time period, that window, that's when the most mistakes happen. Oh, wow. The because they're feathers. hitting what, what amount of time at that uh, point? We're hitting about nine hours at that point. Oh, wow. You know, considering what time we got up exactly, and got there and all that. When yeah. you start. So, okay, so, I mean, we have had increases in the charges for that we are as patients seeing for everything medical. Yes. Like everything is becoming more expensive. Yes. Right. And insurance is covering less and less. I can go on and on. But so why in the world, if they're getting so much more money from us, would they need to cut costs and start cutting you all? Well, I think y'all like to stay apolitical. Is that right? No, you, no, no. We speak tried. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, open it up. Go ahead. Open it up. I think you're going to agree with me, but go yeah, ahead. No, open it up. Yeah. <laughs> open it up, man. I, I mean, it, we, yeah, we, want, we want to hear Obamacare it. Obamacare was not my favorite. Like, I think that did not help much. That's well, just my opinion. Well, the whole, the whole premise of Obamacare uh, is, so any idea that came in for universal health care was the first time you roll something out, it's going to have lots of flaws. It's right. yeah. just going to happen. Yeah. Correct. Um, do I think there needs to be universal health care? Absolutely. I agree. The <laughs> goal of Obamacare was um, to move everything into preventative to medicine, start. to move all the monies into prevention and keep us out of the hospitals. Um, and it's kind of starting to work. That's good. However, there is that backlog of... Um, you know, maybe it was too late for the certain people. For certain people, yeah. And um, so, so what's happened is all the money that you're seeing uh, is going into this big pot. This is very simplistic. Go ahead, please. Going into this, big I couldn't handle pot. it more than this. Okay, oh. I'm sure. And and the big pot of money that goes into like uh, Medicare, Medicaid, right? Yeah. Okay or your insurance company, wherever, they uh, disperse the money out based on fee-for-service and how the hospitals perform. So if you go into the hospital and we don't get you well enough and you come right back into the hospital, that is not covered by any of the insurers anymore. They're kind of like saying you did a bad job and, you know. Yeah, right. Right. Having said that, you go into the hospital, we know you need X amount of care or you're going to be back in here, but you're also only given X amount of days to be here. Oh, yeah. So, you know, on the one hand, it's, okay, we're going to let you be here for a little while and let them work on a couple of things. And, okay, now you're over. I mean, we actually have social workers and care coordinators that sit with us every day and say, Okay, oh, these patients got... are over length of stay by two days. Oh, my Lord. Is that why some hospitals will keep you a little extra, some hospitals won't? Some hospitals charge more money, say, for a basic routine, and other hospitals charge mo- less money because of the ratings? Well, um, it's more about um, the zip code. Really? Yeah, it's more about zip code. So I did... Um, I did kind of this matching up. I worked for this company that matched billing with charge, uh, actual, like uh, actual receipt of care. Okay. Um, so we would match up. This was billed, and it cost this much, and they mm-hmm. received it. Um, and what it what panned out is that based on your zip code, 
you might be charged twice as much as somebody in the next zip code. Really? So I need to drive like, like, to like, Arlington like, every time I'm like sick. Friggin car in, <laughs> like car insurance. Mm -hmm, yeah. Car insurance, they charge, oh, yeah, you, by, they charge you by zip code or city or whatever. How it, could they... It makes no sense. How do they do that charging you by zip code? I mean, that that doesn't seem like... They don't it's charge very you by zip code. Fair. You don't know that. Yeah. Okay, I didn't tell right, you that. Right, internal, right, right. Internal. All right, nobody, internal. None of our listeners have heard that. <laughs> Just erase that, strike that from the record. But seriously, <laughs> when you get sick, you just drive your little butt a little bit further into that one kind of sketchy area. <laughs> well, and it is based on it is based on demographic, and it's based on insurance payers and and things like that. But there's also um, the insurance companies say I'm only going to pay X amount of dollars for your hysterectomy, and this is how much we're going to pay. And so then this all these contract negotiations uh, take place so between that, the, the over providers one and person's one proceed. I mean, think right. about that. Mm -hmm. We've well, I guess we've employed a lot of people in that way, but we've that's, employed a lot of people. But see, ridiculous. now now you feel like a bargaining. Now you feel like a bargaining <laughs> chip. Well, you're sick and trying to get better. You, behind the scenes, all this juggling is going around going, well, should we let them live? Should we, you know, charge them extra? Should <laughs> we, not, you know, not well, you, you, you know, it, it's like, that's what it seems like. Playing it's like, a game of craps. It's like, ah, you she know, lost. She's dying today. That's how yeah, that's working. It, well, <laughs> I know more about nursing because I worked in an outpatient setting. And so I did a lot of advocating for the patients by calling the insurance companies and fighting for them and, yeah. and things like that. And I can tell you that it all depends on who's on the other end of the phone, too. Right. Because you may get a nurse on the other end of the phone who are at the other end of the fax or the other end of the computer that says eh, i don't see why this patient needs this implanted port for their chemo denied oh. okay you submit it again uh now you get an ent somebody uh yeah i don't think they really need that denied then the third time you call and you say i want to have a you know discussion with the medical director and you say this person's going to be on this chemo. They need this implant. Well, well, of course, yeah. It's, and then it's then it's approved. Wow. Yeah. So it's it's, it's all. It's all very, matter who you talk to. It's all very capitalistic. I don't yes. know how else to say it. That is the right. perfect and, word. And I don't. I have never appreciated the fact that we can earn money off of sick care, right. because you're never going to have. Um, it shouldn't be a about focus. making money. It, you're never going to have a focus on keeping your people well Healthy. if they're going exactly. to make money off of you being sick. Exactly. Right. You know the guy, I can't even remember his name, who upcharged the medication so much. Oh, he, yeah. Yeah, okay. I forgot his name, too. But yeah, I forgot his name. Ugh. He, he was, was evil. Scumbucket. We'll call him Scumbucket. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, oh. he, he finally got charged, right? Okay. Um, but it's that type of that type of sick care that earns people tons of money. And we need to change that. I that's the Sonya need, opinion. I feel like we need to have Sonya back. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Because um, we didn't even get yeah. into like all the other stuff she I know. does with helping. And it just, uh, well, I had no idea what y'all were going to ask me, so <laughs> I'm not even sure anything I've ma I've said has made sense. Yeah, no, it, 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 has. It, has, it has made perfect sense. It has, that, and I want you, you know, back because well, I was really. What it's come down to is health care is flawed, and it's been flawed. <laughs> Um, and it's going to be flawed. And it's going to be flawed. Uh, and we and have to admit we, that in we, order to make it we, better. We do. Amen. We do. And you know what? Until people start realizing that we're dealing with people's lives here and, and start feeling that, um, I don't think it's ever going to change. Pharmaceutical companies are making billions upon billions of dollars coming out with new pharmaceutical, coming out with new medication and
They're out pricing. Right. They're outpricing right. And doctors are in huge, huge debt with insurance, their own insurance. And it's just, it's such a, it's such a flawed field that, um, you've talked for a full minute and we're two minutes late. All right. Let's, let's <laughs> well, listen, Sonia, I really hate to, you know, wrap we this up. I, we we got to have you back. Um, <laughs> This I, was a really juicy topic. It I didn't is, even and, realize. and I really thank you for what you do and what you've done for the past twenty nine years. Amen. And we all and, thank you. And, and you know what? I, I would say I, I don't want to ever get sick, but if I do get sick, I want to be in your hospital because you know you got. <laughs> I you don't gotta, know. It depends on the zip code. That's honestly. right. But you got a great smile. You got a great personality, and I'm sure all your patients uh, are happy with the bedside matter, and you know just. Bringing that smile in probably makes them feel a lot better already without the medication. Well, thank you. I so try. thank you for what you do, and you know, thank all thank your you. and all your people at Baylor Scott. I will Baylor spread White Scott. the love. Yes, I will. please. All right. Tell well, them our watch or tune in later. Yeah. So thank you again, and uh, we'll be back right after this uh, with Dean Lewis. Welcome back to Mad Radio. I'm making a difference Wednesday. Uh, we just wrapped up talking to Sonia Marlowe, man. Maybe. Maybe she may we, should, we may we have to continue to that conversation. Um, she brought a lot of good uh, points about our ongoing health care and living by zip code. Man, that that kind of freaks me out, you know. Yeah, I I just kind of made an assumption. I want to clarify with her before she leaves. <laughs> okay, so which one is the cheaper one? Am I correct in assuming? It's a, yeah, I mean if that if that's what they're doing, because that's you know crazy. for your car insurance, um, I get screwed because I'm in I I live in higher end suburbs. Right. You know, and it's funny because, like, Jamie uh, Gravy was asking me, because he's taking his car to New York, he goes, uh, am I going to get hit with higher insurance rates? And yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hello? Said, yeah. That's a dumbass thing. Think about double, you know. <laughs> that was a dumb screw question, your, Screw Jamie. your zip code. It's going gonna, it's gonna to kill you with your... Uh, your city. Well, when he said just to, to pay to park, I was like, I don't. Why do Why do you have a car up there? It's just such a yeah. A, it's a hassle. All right, so we have our new segment. Let's do it. Let's make crap happy news. <laughs> happy news. That means crappy news into happy news, guys. That's what we do here. Yes. So, John, I don't know if you saw this, but today is the day that um, there are some plans available on the internet for some 3D printed. AR-15 rifles. They're available for you to, to download. Oh, I'll just pull out my 3D uh, printer. Exactly. 3D but printers are expensive, but they're available today. That's crazy. So make well, it happy for me. Uh, all right, I'll make I that happy. I have a lot of reasons why well, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, if you can print a, uh, an AR-15 with a 3D printer, um, I think we should start printing out straws. <laughs> And maybe we can sneak them into California. Yes, in Seattle. You know? yeah. That's a crazy news story. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say, um, I can't even picture like going to Starbucks if I'm in Seattle and not getting a straw with my iced tea. I'll well, now like, if you have what, a 3D printer, if you have a 3D printer, get your little, you know, print out your own oh, little yeah. straw. Everyone has 3D printers in their back pocket. Okay, your ah. turn. Your turn. All right. You hear Wells Fargo uh, has to pay $2.5 million dollars. To uh, two billion dollars to their uh, their people for screwing yeah, for us penalties. for for something. You don't know what they did. <laughs> no, for I have all the mortgage. Oh, for uh, the, oh, the mortgage fiasco. Two thousand eight. Ah, okay. um, I can't make that any happier unless we make them pay more money. Like ah. to me, two billion dollars. Two billion dollars. Yeah, that's right. Wells you know Fargo. What, you know what sucks is I got Wells Fargo. I really do. <laughs> I have because I am a true hippie, a community bank. Thank you very much. Oh. I go to Daku and those, those oh unions. Oh, my God. 
credit union. All the deposit slips made out of like recycled paper and yeah, that's what we do. Flowers. That's what we do. I've got one more. I got one more. I want you to make happy. Ready? All right. Okay. So the East Coast is expecting, or they're under a flood watch right now. The whole East Coast. Make that happy. Well, New York will finally get a bath. (laughs) (laughs) It is a dirty, dirty place. (laughs) We love New York. That's right. That's right. (laughs) But it can be very dirty. And have fun there, Jamie. Okay. So, unfortunately, oh, I think he's here. I see our our comic, Dean Lewis. Do you have a clip? Do I? Not of Dean Lewis, but I can play this for him. If this works. If you can. Oh, Lord. Okay, so start talking about something. Yeah, we're going to be bringing in uh, comedian, talent agent, trainer, Mr. Dean Lewis from the Dean Lewis comedy uh, comedy classes, so just stay tuned. Hey, Mr. Lewis, how you doing? I'm so sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. Just have a seat. Right here? Yep. Okay. Let's throw some headphones on. Nice. Welcome, man. Welcome. Can Thank you hear you. us? You got us? Too loud? No, I can't hear anything, actually. Can you hear it now? Test, oh. test. There we go. Yes. How you doing? I'm getting Howard Stern now. No, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, well, Dean. Uh, it's a pleasure having you in here. It's uh, an honor, frankly. Yeah, actually. I mean, an honor. <laughs> seriously, you. you're one of the well, biggest working comics in DFW. We were just talking about that. You really are. Oh, well, thank You've you. You've done yeah. more than anybody else out there right now. And everybody, <laughs> and, and everybody who's been through our uh, show, I'd say 90% of the comedians that have been... The good comedians. The good comedians that have been on here. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, always... Put you up on a pedestal. Say you, yeah, really, yeah. They love. I got to start listening to this show more. They, <laughs> I have no idea. They do. They love your class. Um, and actually, uh, you know, from what we, what me and Megan have heard, um, your class is so much better than the classes that we've taken. Oh no, <laughs> we might have taken a class. We may have taken a wrong class. Oh no, yeah. We got to get you guys in there then. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, I was exactly. actually thinking about that, but um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Dean. When did you get started into this comedy career and. Uh, I want to know the, how so he got on Last Comic Standing. Yes, I, I they yes. need to bring that back. They do. <laughs> I need to get on it more. Um, <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, uh, I wish I had a better story, but I just like when I was six, my grandfather used to watch um, Jonathan Winters and, and oh. all these guys oh, on television. Yeah. And I was like, how are these people, how are these men making my grandfather laugh? Oh. It made such an impression on me. <laughs> nice. And uh, I just always have loved comics. And uh, my mom, you know, she's a single mom. And so uh, she couldn't really, uh, you know, she's off working. And so she had a lot of Richard Pryor albums okay. that I used that's to listen to. That's, that's, what you, listen that's what you listen to. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's good for ch- children to listen to. I think so. when you're when you're yeah. four, why not? Yeah, you need to learn those words. Him no, and Red like, Fox, man, just listen to those guys. You'll don't go to church. That yeah, makes you very definitely. popular on the playground. Yeah, so those were always my heroes. You know, I grew up. I'm not a sports guy. I'm not a um, amen. Anything. All the uh, comedians have always been my heroes, and I always wanted to try it. But it always seemed like you know I'm going to date myself a little bit. But it seemed back then like you know there's there's seven of them, oh. and how does that happen? And then the comedy club thing started happening everywhere 
was like everywhere. Right. Yeah. Boom, it was like a boom. It was a boom everywhere. Like Canada had comedy. It was <laughs> everywhere. Places you wouldn't. And there's think. nothing funny about Canadians. <laughs> Canadians aren't funny. Yeah, That's and uh, so I was lucky enough to uh, kind of, you know, Dallas had back in the day. Take you way back, but there was a place called the Comedy Corner, which was on Greenville Avenue, and right. uh, I went there one night and saw Joe Piscopo and Eddie Murphy. Oh, wow! I know. I got to work with Joe Piscopo. Uh, Did last you really? Year. Yeah. We should share stories because yeah. I've always heard he's like difficult, and then I've heard he's no. great. Great, great, great guy. Yeah. He's got some really good Eddie Murphy stories. Oh, I bet he does. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was a small room. This room sat less than 250, I think. You know, and was sitting in the smaller room, and there's Eddie Murphy. It was just oh. amazing. So close to you, right? That would be. Yeah. That would be. But it, it broke it down. Like, you know, have you ever met celebrities? Like, the worst thing to do is meet your, your heroes. Yes. Because you meet, you know, like, I have this thing for Scarlett Johansson, but if I meet her, I'm going to be like, oh, she's got bad breath, and she's. going to shatter all the fantasies you've you know, had, it's right? It's better that she just. I see Black Widow, and that's that's as yeah. close as you should get. But yeah. when I saw Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo, I was like, these are just guys. I mean, it was so it was such a breakthrough. And then I used to go to the Comedy Corner all the time, and Jerry Seinfeld, back when he was going through his leather vest stage. Right, right. Um, wow. And he would just, and then they could kind of talk to him after the shows and everything. So it made it so much more approachable. Oh, cool. You know, now I think everyone, you know, there's so much comedy, people don't really, It's it's it was, there was a mystique to it, and that's gone. Yeah. I think that's right. really gone now. Yeah, YouTube kind of ruined you, you, you a little You think bit it's just because it's oversaturated? <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, I think with everything, don't you? I mean, oh, yeah. You know, it was better. And again, it was better when there was only three channels in mafia, <laughs> and the mafia ran Vegas. Uh, because, you know, there was like, uh, there was gate, I, I think there was gatekeepers before for show business, especially oh, stand up. Yeah. And now there isn't. I mean, you could, you can go to a burnout, you know, Howard Johnson's and start a comedy show if you want. Right. And uh, right, speaking right. of which, next week I'm going to be out at a burnt out Howard Johnson's. <laughs> or, um, or, or a nearby mall. Yes. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I might have done one of those shows. That's so rude. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So, but to answer your question, so during the midst of all that, I was uh, very lucky to hang out with a lot of cool people. And I was a bartender at the improv before I kind of got started. And so, uh, again, aside, I always feel like I'm name dropping, but it was just, that's my life. So, like, I would go out to the airport and I would pick up the comic. And I would pick up Seinfeld, and I'd right. pick up Ellen DeGeneres. And, oh, um, wow. Uh, just, can I tell you a real quick story? Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, it's about Dennis yeah. Miller, who's lost his mind now. But back in the day, so Dennis Miller was in town with Dana Carvey. Oh. And uh, Dennis came in for three nights, or two nights, and then Dana came in for two nights. So the last night, it was a Saturday night, I always remember this, at the old Dallas Improv, which is a red, hot, and blue barbecue place now. <laughs> um <laughs> On Central, but uh, Dennis was up on stage doing his set, and all of a sudden he started getting heckled by Dennis Miller because Dana Carvey came in a day early and he started messing with him. <laughs> like, That's a great joke, babe. Why don't you make a more oh. obscure reference? Huh, huh, huh? Um, that would be amazing to witness, though. It was awesome. And then Ed Yeager, who was the host, he's a Dallas comic, but he's gone on to, he was a writer on Roseanne and oh, wow. back in the day, all these other shows. But he went up and he said, Ladies and gentlemen, it's the greatest night in comedy. You saw Dennis Miller. Dana Carvey showed up, and now would you please welcome their friend Steve Martin? And the place went nuts. He's wow. like, he goes, I'm just messing with you. Good night. Oh. Oh, <laughs> so, but anyway, the reason I'm telling you that story, everyone, the staff, it's a long story, but no one wanted to hang out with Dennis Miller because he was kind of a douche. No, it wasn't that his, his he had just gotten married. It was the first show after his honeymoon. 
So she came in like on a Thursday at two and his plane wasn't coming in until four. So the person who picked him up from the improv said, let me take you back to the hotel. Let's not hang out at DFW for two hours oh, yeah. right. and I'll come back and get him. Well, traffic, you know, me yeah. talking about oh. it. So Dennis Miller got off the plane and he got, this was the SNL days. He got mobbed a little bit, you know, and there was no one there to get him. And so oh. he was visibly upset about right, it right, right. and kind of rode the club about it. But the point was no one wanted to take him. And I said, so I was a bartender, went in the, um, the manager's office to turn in the bank and uh, they were arguing about, I don't want to take him, you take him. I said, what are you guys talking about? No one wants to take Dennis Miller. I said, I'll take him. They're like, yeah. don't be late. <laughs> be there 10 minutes early. Have the car air conditioned. <laughs> so 71 got, degrees. Yeah, <laughs> the car. exactly. And so I got there the at um, like 10 minutes to seven and I, it's, it's the old, uh, I'm saying all these things. That's so okay. a central, a double tree hotel in oh, central. Oh yeah, yeah, where, where, back door is where the back door is right, now. Every time I go to back door, I see this moment happen. <laughs> yeah. So I went up to the desk in my improv sweatshirt. I said, I'm here to pick up Mr. and Mrs. Miller because his wife was with him. And they're like, oh, they already checked out. And I was like, oh, I lost my job. This is awful. <laughs> oh, they've and taken I, a taxi. I, yeah, that's what I thought. But I turned and the elevator's open and he walked out. It was just like in a movie. Oh. oh. I was like, hi, I got my job back. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I got him out in the car. I had a Toyota Corolla. And uh, so they get in the car. She sits in the front with me and he sits in the back, which was kind of weird. Wow. Yeah. For a newlywed couple. And she's, I said. She's had um, enough of him, though. Yeah, probably. Probably <laughs> so. Like, I'm done. She wanted more leg room. You were in a Corolla. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's exactly right. Because she's a leggy pick up a Pick up a legendary star. And, you know, you know. Yeah. He's in the back. He's like, I'm something, babe. You sit up the front with the riffraff. Um, and so uh, I said, by the way, if you guys, uh, if you, uh, music's too loud or the air's too cold, let me know. And he goes, yeah, the music's a little too cold, the air's a little too loud. Uh -huh. And I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> so we were driving out there. Trying to break the nervous feeling, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's like, one of my so idols. I was just, yeah. I had been doing stand-up about a year and a half and just, I was with Dennis Miller. Yeah. Can we cuss on the air? No, okay. unfortunately. So, um, <laughs> so I'll bleep it then. So we're driving out there and... Um, they, they're kind of talking and it's kind of tense. So finally, at one point, he just reaches up and hugs her from behind. He goes, see what you're doing to me, babe? You're driving me crazy in front of the kid here. <sighs> you know, it's just kind of, I didn't know. And so I, I was like, you know what? I don't care. So I said, Mr. Miller, Mrs. Miller, if you guys want to get in the back seat and just mm, go to town. You're welcome, because we're about an hour from the airport. And just beep. Yeah. That's amazing. And as soon as I said that, his face lit up and he started talking to me. Like he uh, just wanted. He wanted someone to be real with him. Yeah. And so we started talking, and um, we, we were laughing and just had the greatest time out there. So That's amazing. We were getting close to the airport, and he said, um, uh, so what are you doing at the improv? I said, well, I'm a bartender, but I really want to do stand-up. And he started telling me stories about, you know, in the day when he was in Philadelphia, there was no such thing as an open mic. So he would go to bars and give them 50 bucks and give it to the bartender and say, let me get up and do some stage time, because they had a stage for bands. Yeah. Right. And he said, if I'm not funny, you keep this. That's how they used to get stage time. Oh, wow. wow. And he said a couple times imagine, they imagine kept do, it. Imagine, do, uh, imagine doing that today, no charging left. somebody for stage time. They'd yeah. freak out. I know. Um, keep that. I feel yeah, like yeah, in New York they probably yeah. already do that a little bit. Well, well now, now they don't charge you. Now they just turn around and see you and say, uh, Asses in, in the seats. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, it's a bringer show, right? Yeah, bring, bring a show. So when I told him I wanted to be a comic, he goes, "You know what? Just remember this." He goes, "You know what, kid? You got the chops. You should do it." And that's kept me going to this day. I mean, as my hero, well, it's, that's inspirational. Amen. Yeah, and listen. Amen. Yeah, every new comic needs that uh, that inspiration, that that push. That Somebody. all right? Let me let me let me yeah. let me jump into that. You know. So a year later, he's back at the Dallas Improv, and I got to open for him. <gasps> and I told him that story. He's like. I don't remember you at all. And he walked <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> you 
like, it's cool. You just crushed me. That's fine. Yeah. It's yeah. Fine. No, but it didn't matter because that was the push You've already I needed. Been established, right? Yeah. So to answer your question, long-winded, that's how I got started. Is you know, I think like most people, but. The Dallas Improv used to be a really great place because we had, God, just everybody. Sam Kinison was there one time. Wow. And, the greats. And wow. the, all the greats. these comics. And they would, after the show, you'd go hang out with them. We'd go to Dave and Buster's and hang out with them. And it was before they hit it big. Right. And me taking them to the airport, I would ask them questions about comedy. Like Seinfeld oh, told yeah. me, he said, you know, the only purpose of a, of a contest is to sell drinks. He says, whoever wins doesn't matter. He says, it's not truly a... a, a a who's thing of best. who's best or yeah. not. Right. And it just opened my eyes to like, you know, this is a business. Yes. And most comics think of it as a show. We're Yes. We want to be famous and funny. Right. But that's one of the things to turn it around in the workshop I talk about is uh, one of the lectures I give is, you know, the business you're in is the liquor business. Oh. If you're doing stand up. Right. Right. Because think of every open mic. Oh, yeah. You got Every sell the comedy booze. club. Yeah. That's right. what they're there about. So right. it's just, it's a, it's a restaurant and a bar with comedy. Yeah. And so... You're cheap entertainment. You are. Well, you're free entertainment. You know, you're selling drinks and even, you know, unless it's a bringer show, like you're saying, John. So even if there's like 14 people there, there's enough comedy. People stay and have a couple extra drinks. Right. And the markup on liquor is huge. It is huge. I I owned a bar, so I know. (laughs) Oh, so you know. Yeah, so I know, man. Yeah. Well, I was just not, I was just not smart enough to do stand up in my, in my bar. Yeah. Well, it's not too late. I mean, I think there's 21 open mics in Dallas right now per week. I'm not joking. I know. No, you're There's not. three a night. There's you know, three a night. Just, some are horrible and some are great. It's almost like we're New York, but not. I just but saw. Um, I, just saw <laughs> I just saw a Facebook uh, post um, with Brad Williams. Um, okay. He he's um, in California now. He he opened up at the Improv. Jamie actually Jamie Gravy opened up for him not too long ago. Uh, funny funny comedian, and he's at the comedy shop in in California, mm-hmm. and they just just did this whole big Twitter thing. Um, that it's an honor that now he's going to become a regular paid performer there, and he gets assigned the, the wall. comedy store, comedy store maybe, or the that's comedy a, shop. That's or a something. big difference. Yeah, yeah comedy, comedy, comedy store. I've never heard of the comedy shop. <laughs> maybe comedy this store. is radio one on one. Whatever yeah, the host yeah. says, you're yeah. like, yeah, comedy giraffes. Shop. Giraffes are purple. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, and unicorn, and unicorns head. are real. Yes. Uh, so the comedy store. So <laughs> it was a really big honor for him. Now it seems like all that's diminished. You know, like when you turn around and say there's 21 open mics, it's like. Yeah, but what, but even what I'm hearing from you know a lot of the older comics is that you know there was a there was um, like a stepping platform. Yeah, now it's just anybody. Well, the gate, like oh, I well. said, the gatekeepers are gone. Are gone. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, because you got YouTube stars who are now like called stars. What? Right. What? Yeah. You know, it's a whole different so how do you, world. How do you change it and bring that profession back, or do you think it's it, you think it's gone? You think oh, that part, it, the old time is gone? Well, can I be really dark for a minute? Sure. Yes. Yeah. I think <laughs> soon, it's coming like, soon, within the next couple, four years at the most, there'll be a comedy crash. And there's going to be, you know, all the rats will leave the ship. Like in the 90s, it was the same thing. There was right. a comedy crash. Yeah, because the 80s was the heyday. and then all The heyday. And then there was 300, at one point, there was like 340 or something comedy clubs in America. And there was only 30 funny people. So... <laughs> <laughs> They were making some big money rotating around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, there was, yeah, there was really the bowling alleys and the, you know, the whatever. We're doing comedy everywhere, and that's kind of where we are now. And I think that's great because a lot of people are getting up and getting to express themselves, and that's that's all fine and good. But you know, there's not an audience for this 21 open mics. I know some of them. I haven't been to them, but I have my little minions running around. (laughs) And some of them, you just go up to perform in front of 20 other comics. Exactly. I can't. With no no feedback, no nothing. You don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, that's one of the reasons I say I see it coming. I see that, that there's just, just going to reach the saturation point where just the general public doesn't want to go to comedy clubs anymore or, right. or open mics. They, they right. still want to go to the improv and see right, the names right, right. and hyenas. Oh, yeah. But, but I think wanna... a lot of those are very, you know, they're not run. The open mics are not run correctly. Amen. And there's they're letting 30 and 40 people up a night. That's and too much. Too much. It's torturous for an What audience is going to sit there and oh, go? Nobody. That's why they leave. Because in 40 bad people. They yeah. Leave, they leave 10 people in. They're like, okay, all the good ones. Went which, up which may may bring comedy back to the place where it should be if we do have that crash. A lot of people will be jumping off buildings, and you know, because they've they've built themselves up so much in their own heads that they they won't have comedy anymore. So New York sometimes, you know, uh, <laughs> it's like a stock market crash. You know, you'll uh, see, yeah, the, uh-huh. see the one of these jumping totally ship. You know, yeah. So. Oh come on, some of these comedians out there who I mean, they they run an open mic. They think they are David Letterman, or they think they they should be on Comedy Central already, or be on Jamie yeah. Gravy's road. And yeah, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been doing comedy eighteen months. Why don't I have a show? Why is the Tonight Show not calling? <laughs> But don't you also see this where a lot of people are, I'm going to get in trouble and then I'm going to push my class, but um, I think a lot of people are doing it because, again, there's no gatekeepers, but it's their way of getting through a breakup. It's their way of never being in a successful band. It's their way of feeding their ego. Like, I don't think a lot of people are doing comedy for the right reasons. And the reason I say that is you see them one night, two years later, it's the exact same set. It's shock based. It's dirty, dirty, dirty. Yes. Everything's cursing. Everything's yes. cursing, and yes. and they don't care about the audience. They just they love that seven minutes of getting to whatever. Yeah, and Depends. that's fine. Depends. That's fine. But there should be a vent open mic, and there should be a comedy open mic. There you go. Um, this is for therapy for all of the other right, comics. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so that's uh, that's what scares me a little bit is because in the end of the day, the audience has come out and they see a show that's twenty percent that they're okay, fifty percent that. Uh, once you go over 60%, audience is like, I don't want to go to open mics anymore. The comics are right. so selfish and so rude and so horrible. And so horrible, really. Yeah. It's lack of time. Um, well, I don't think it's lack of time. Ta- you know, one of the Sometimes. things I'll say, I, like I, don't believe in talent. I don't believe in talent anymore after <laughs> teaching the class. I really don't because you can give me the most talented person in the world who's lazy, but the most oh, mediocre person who works their butt off. lazy. And so talent, that's the thing I've learned. In my workshop, there's some people, you know, it's eight classes, and some people by the third or fourth class, I can see them start dropping off. You know, this is harder than I thought. Right, they don't want to put the time or effort into it. Right, and I joke about, yeah. Them to like just write more than they want to? Well, every class gets success, uh, excess, a little bit tougher, a little bit more. It's like, okay, you did that, now let's do this, this. now let's do that. And everyone who stays with it progresses the whole, you know, by the eighth class, you're writing so much better than you did the first couple classes. Good. Um, but I joke about it, but it really is true. My class has killed more grandmothers <laughs> than slippery stairs at a rest home. Because well, everybody, my grandmother died. I can't complete the class. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm <laughs> what not gonna, in the hell? I'm not going to mention your student's name, but uh, what you just said just brings to light that he came to me one night and he was crying not crying but oh, he was he was like do you know, know do you know i have to have 10 jokes written by by monday i'm like 
whoop de doo dude. So you should be get doing on that it, anyway. Man. Get on it, you know? Yeah. You know? He's like, I'm like, just write him. He's like, well, how many jokes did you have to write when you took your class? I'm like, what? Two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so said, someone from good. my class, and they were complaining about the they workload. They weren't complaining. They were, they were yeah. Told, you know, but he was just, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I, I looked at it as like, wow, that's great, because in our class, we really Our class wasn't run by someone who's actually right. succeeded. And he was like... Oh, thanks. Yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, know, if you can work as a stand-up and that's literally know, what your job is, right. I will listen to you. And if you have another job, shut up. Right. <laughs> but he also brought out the um, that you the tags and um, yeah. the act-outs. That's and, amazing. You know, here's, here's a guy who just started comedy. It was his, maybe it was first two days in your class. And uh, he's telling me about how you're training him on act outs and I'm like well the comedy class I took we they didn't even freaking mention class. um they didn't even mention act outs no. and I'm like this you know this is a professional this is a professional training class yeah because yeah. yeah. I mean in two days he brought in he brought in more information to me than I learned in eight weeks really yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yep yeah, it's 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 information dense. I mean, there's a lot, and I can't tell you how many people I've had contact me like a year later, going, "Now I understand what you were saying." <laughs> yeah, like I didn't get it at the time, but now that I've done it, but it falls would, into place. And the other day, I went back and I read the workbook again, and I was like, "Oh, now I get it." So, you know, it's uh, but that's the nature of it. Is I, yeah, I wish I it was a longer class. It should really be like a 16 week class because. How, well, what do you what what kind of classes do you run? Well, okay, yeah. for anybody who's just joined us, we have Dean Lewis from uh, Dallas Comedy. Oh, my, just Dean yeah. Lewis. Yeah, it's just it's my... Just Dean if you want to contact me, it's Dean at DeanLewisComedy.com. All right, so... And my website's Dean Lewis Comedy, so you, and that's for my corporate work, I was going to ask you about your corporate work. Yeah. How did you get... Did you just decide you were done trying to do the the traveling, or are you? do you have to stay in Dallas for a reason? Yeah. Um, what happened kids? was I had we two got a couple kids, of kids here, yeah. A couple of kids and a divorce, and uh, oh, so... Oh, you have the geographical restriction. Yes. So do I. Yeah. Yeah, I love and, it so And much. I have them the majority of the time, which is <laughs> great. I, I, t I take medication for that. Do you? <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's so, just for anyone listening, when you get divorced in Texas, they almost, like, literally automatically put in a geographical restriction for both parents so that they are forced to live near each other and or in certain counties. I'm required to live in certain counties. Yeah. And it, it's, um, you know, I have them 18 days of the month. It's she has them 12. Oh, wow. So, you oh, know, wow. those 12 so days. Like full-time yeah, dad, really. Pretty much. Um, she hears this. She'll go, it's not that way. But it's, it's, I'll show you the calendar. It's that way. 18, 12. Um, Except on so, a leap year. Yeah. So I can't, you know, those 12 days, I don't really want to be gone anyway. Yeah. That I could be gone. Yeah. So um, it was just natural. You know, I used to do a, a morning radio show here in town the on, on the Morning Edge, 1021 The Edge, with Jagger, the Jagger Mafia. Okay. Oh, nice. And then, yeah, we did that. I was with him for like eight to nine years. We went from there to CBS and then back to the edge for a little bit but um so that really derailed my stand-up for a long time because i was so dedicated to that because it was insurance and good yeah. money oh, and my yeah. a new dad oh, yeah. and so that's when i really started teaching the workshops in earnest because you know i'll be honest part of the reason i teach is selfish you know it's like you know i hate bad too. comedy and i want to you know help you people make out it better <laughs> um like you know that. it's a little bit of money but it's also you know i just love hanging out with young comics and people come in and you know, talk about it. And the way the class is set up is after you graduate for eight classes, you have what I call the eternal graduates pass. So you can come back forever if you want to work on material one night. So oh, nice. six months from now, class is over. You can just contact me and let make wow. sure there's room. Come back in and pitch for 15 minutes. That's fine because you've... The, 
the thing about it is you've been out there for a year, let's say, or six months. Yeah. You're bringing wisdom to these people who don't know what to do and what's it like out there and tell right, me about the clubs. Right. And, yeah. and then you can reinforce what I'm saying because I know at some points I tell them things and I can see them go, yeah, Grandpa, but that won't be like that for me. I'm like, yeah, okay. No, but it will. Okay. It will. <laughs> well, what do, you, like, what do you see um, when you got all these new comics coming mm-hmm. in? There's got to be a multitude of different reasons why they are taking a yes. comedy class. Mm-hmm. What do you feel that the main reason is? With just like the the majority of the people taking comedy is because they saw a friend do it, or it's daddy issues. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's my reason. <laughs> All right, so there you go. Uh, All right, we found out. I'm, it's true. half joking, half that's true. true. It's parent issues. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think that it's just uh, you know I. I I think a job is what the, is when you agree as an adult to be paid for doing what you don't want to do. That's what I think a job is. Right. Yes. Right. And I think most people have to make that choice, yes. either because the pressure pressure from their parents when they graduate or they get married or whatever. And I think everybody I think everybody has a funny five minutes in them. They really <laughs> do. And they just You're optimistic. I think a lot of them just yeah. <laughs> It's just been, I want to get up and do, because it's the most natural thing for a human to do is to get up and tell stories. I mean, that's what we used to do. And this is the modern version of it. So, you know, it's daddy issues. It's I want to be famous. It's I want to be a better speaker. It's this, that, and the other. But overall, I think it's just there's that need that just, it's a crushing desire we have to express ourselves. Right. And this is a way you Somebody listen to me. Somebody listen to me. Yeah. I think that's right. part of it. So how did you get into Last Comic Standing? Did you audition? Were you traveling yes. at that time? No, at the time. Um, so so I cheated a little bit is how I got on because I know <laughs> Kathleen Tell Madigan. Tell us how to cheat. Yeah. Oh, you do? I yeah. love her so much. I've gone on tour with her a little bit. <gasps> and I remember when she was featuring at the Dallas Improv, we used to hang out all the time. I and she's awesome. And I've always her. had a crush on her. And, and she's just, she's the sweetest, she's from funniest. Missouri. Oh, well. Yeah. She's <laughs> salt of the earth people. Yeah. She really is. The mi- and um, so the first time I auditioned, now keep in mind, am I boring you guys? Do we no, no, no. Are you okay. kidding me? We're, we're good, man. This I is, just feel like a me monster. No, this is okay. great. Okay. <laughs> this is now your chance to talk. You know? Yeah, finally. This is your chance to talk. <laughs> uh, so the first time I auditioned was at the Dallas, I'm sorry, at the Addison Improv. Now, that's my home club. I've done more yeah. sets there, and I also used to teach defensive driving back in the day. So I had literally thousands of hours on that stage. And it was my home club. And you I went, taught defensive driving at Addison Improv. Yeah. Interesting. I know. How do you learn to do that? Oh, <laughs> Did you have to take a class? Internet no. class. To to <laughs> at the time, well, the, the, the trick of it was when I first got started the improv, and there was a guy who was teaching at the or was setting it up at the improv, and he was very weaselly. And so he left to go set up his own things. And the improv said, "Hey, there was four of us." They said, "If you guys teach here, we'll give you lots, lots of work." So that's why I ended up teaching it for a long oh, time. Uh, wow. I volunteer. Sean, yeah. are you listening? Yes, Sean. <laughs> Sean remembers those days. Sean okay, Trainer. Um, so anyway, the first time I went up at the Addison Improv for the last comic standing, the two guys from the Tonight Show, I can't think of their names right now, but they were the talent bookers from the Tonight Show. This was like the second wow. year of it. Oh, wow. What, what year was this? Oh, I don't know, John. Um, I, it I don't was know. back in the early 2000s. Yeah, early, okay. early, yeah. Okay. Wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Was it Leno? Well, Leno was still on the Tonight right, so, Show. Okay, yeah. So yeah, early 2000s. So I think this was the second season. So whenever okay, it started. I remember when it, it was cool. Yeah. Um, 
And I went up there, and the club was dead quiet, and there was all these teenagers sitting to the side. I don't know what they were doing there, but they were just weird, and then there was cameras, and then there's these two guys sitting there who I know about and respect, and I just choked. I mean, I went up there, and when I went off, I was like, what was the last 10 years about? I, mean, I was just like, I couldn't believe it. This was the moment. Yeah. Oh. So flash, flash forward to um, they're doing it again in San Antonio. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try this again. I'm not going to let that be the right, only right, time. Right. So I went down there and I didn't know. But the, the judges were Kathleen Madigan and Ant and um, I can't think of his name Ant. right now. I don't remember him either. Uh, he was a judge. Um, and so I went in there and Kathleen was all, hey, Dean. I was like, oh, my God, this is so great. Yeah, then you, you immediately feel relaxed. It was, yeah, it was different. Yeah. And I was yeah, like, I don't care. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I did the audition and she said, yeah, do something. She said, do that bit. Like she remembered one of my bits. She says, oh. do that bit. So it was her way of telling the producers, this guy's in. And so I that's how I got in. And oh. I'm not saying I didn't deserve it. Right, but right, right. So no, that night. You deserved it. Yeah. So if you see my clip um, that night, uh, and I'll get real personal, but that night I knew my wife was at home cheating on me. <laughs> like I knew it. And I wanted to hurry and get the set done so I could rush home from San Antonio and catch them. And catch them. Oh, my God. And I, when you see me, I look like this, like this displaced look on my face because the whole time I'm just, I like click on the button and I'm like, I can't believe they're in my bed. I know what they're doing right now. I can't believe he's probably wearing my underwear. I can't believe this is going on. So, because um, oh, we had kids and I that. saw my life. It was a nightmare. Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I can't um, believe that. So afterwards I hung out and a little bit and Kathleen was talking to me and, and she's like, um, you know, I'm going to try and make sure you get on there because, you know. The secret of, of Last Comic Standing, I'm going to give this away, and there's probably going to be a red dot on my forehead now. <laughs> no. The 12 comics are already chosen before the show even begins. That's all decided ahead of time. Yeah, and there's then, a special ops oh. helicopter. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. <laughs> um, and then the, the three, you know, the five shows where they're, the, it's a dog and pony show. Right. So well, those it's, people, like any, it's like a already decided Idol, on. same thing. Wow. So but she they said, haven't decided the winner of the 12, have they? Uh, the whole, the whole I don't know decided? if it goes that far. Okay. I don't know. Okay. But she said, look, I can't get you on the show. She said, I wish I could, but they, we already have the 12. And she said, but, you know, I'll make sure you get on there. So that's the reason why. I mean, okay. I, I think it's a good clip. It's a funny bit and uh, all that. But, you know, um, I'm sure They'd you guys already. know Paul Varghese. I mean, Paul Varghese was one of my students. He's yeah. a local comedy yeah. legend. Oh. And uh, he got on there without knowing anybody. So the the message is either nepotism or be good. <laughs> <laughs> or be good. <laughs> or just be really good. I like being good. Do you, we have a do call. You, oh. Go ahead. Keep going. Good. Hey, you're on the air. Hello? No, they're not. They hung up on me. Okay. They didn't want to play anymore. Oh. Yeah. Do you, fo do you do follow-ups on your students? You, do you go to the comedy clubs and watch them to see if they uh, I don't, perform? I don't go purposely to see them, but I do. Um, if you're there. If I'm there, I'll watch them. There's, uh, so there's one thing I started. You know, when you graduate my class, you go on this secret Facebook group called The Dean's List. Yeah. And so there's like only 140 people on there. That's not but I do bad. things, like I re recently did this a few months ago. I said, hey, everybody on here who's got at least three years stage experience, I want to offer a mentoring program. And what you're going to do is if you want to mentor the first three people who contact you, you meet with them for six months. And in December, when those six months are up, I'll have a one-day, six-hour joke writing thing for everyone who's, who mentors and sticks with the mentor for those six months. Nice. So Barry Whitewater is a guy. He's mentoring three comics. David wow. Jessup is another guy. Uh, another guy, Tyson Pfeiffer, who's kind of a road warrior now, but he's coming into town this month, and he's going to mentor. Nice. So um, I, I think of them all as my kids. 
And so I'll do things to help them out in that way. Like oh, a few nice. weeks ago, Sean called me. He says, I'm looking for female comics. I was like, here's three you got to know about right now. You should be watching these three, John. And I, you know, pitched them. So I'll. Right, right. He still reached out to me, though, too. Ha-ha! Yeah, ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> That's but I need to take yours. <laughs> yes. So I don't follow them. Like, but like I usually go to the back door every other weekend when right. my kids are gone. I go to the back door on Saturdays. Which I think is a great mic. I, 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 I love, Jan I, and Linda do yep, I think amazing work. Mic. And so, but I'll and I'll go in and watch former students and stuff. Oh, that's nice. And they'll come up and go, "I need help with a bit." I'm like, "Yeah, sure." Like I don't try and gouge them and say, you know, if someone purposely wants to do an hour long phone call, and it's taking time out of my busy schedule. Yeah, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> then I would charge them because this is one of the you know the workshop used to be, and I'll tell the price real quick. The workshop was originally four fifty, and I lowered it to three fifty, and the quality of students went down so far. Oh. It was really amazing to me. And someone told me, they're like, you know, it's got to hurt. It's got to hurt Mom a little bit. couldn't lend them that much, that extra hundred bucks, huh? Yeah. And Get off the couch in your mother's basement. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. So when I raise it to 450 again, Can't it's like the level of performer. You know, I think it's like they're more dedicated now. And, you know, I don't even do, like now people say, well, can I split it? And I'm like, not really, because... The people who split are window shopping. Right. Eight out of ten uh, of them. They'll come to two classes. And for them, that's worth 225 bucks. And then on, and they get the workbook. But the thing is, you don't get the whole workbook to the end. Um, and that cheats you because you've now lost the space of someone who could have paid 450 yeah. What's your so, yeah. student ratio? Uh of you know, in a class, yeah. like I'd like it to be twelve. Okay, uh, and for two reasons: number one, if everyone sticks through it, that's a great showcase because the Addis, The reason I get to do it at the Addison Improv is I'm giving them a free night, and all the students. It's not a bringer show, but I say you can. You know, I you're all getting four comps. You get four people in for free. Okay. And then you can invite as many two-for-ones as you want. And sometimes one student invites 40. But it averages out. Everyone invites about 12 to 15 people. So if I've got 12 people in there, the improv nice, has a packed night. It's a nice show. It's a good audience for everybody to go up. It's the, that's the best club in DFW, I really think. Yeah. Just yeah. The, the way the layout, it's a, it's a low ceiling. It's, it's great. It's a great I, club. Yeah, you know all that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. performed there a couple times. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, but low ceiling. Like, oh, yeah. It's that's so one nice. of the things I teach in the class is what are the three things you should never do at an open mind and it's high ceilings, let the audience right. sit far away, stuff like that. Amen. Bring them everybody close, man. You want everybody close. Yeah. You, just, and you described half the open mics. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, here's yeah, the thing. I'll share this. 16-foot ceilings. Yeah. <laughs> and the AC's going, the margarita <laughs> machine's next to the stage. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the bartender's like, can I leave my baby here? <laughs> 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 yeah, I got him. Go ahead. But here's one of the things I'll tell everybody out there who's doing open mics. You know, if you go up, and the audience is seated far away, and you're, it's, it's really the host's job. But I, I've done it before. I would go up and go, hey, you guys, I want you to have a good time. I hope you're having a good time. But you know what? I've only got six minutes. I'm going to spend two minutes if we have to. Everybody move up. I'm not doing my set till we move up. Oh, and I love it. move the audience close to the stage because right. one of the things I also love to do is magic, and I learned this from magic. Every five feet away the audience is away from you, you're 20% less effective. Nice. Think about it that way. The further wow. away, the less effective you become. So part of the reason I say to do that is if you go up on stage and you sacrifice part of your set one time, all the other comics are going to love you. Yeah. The rest of the show is going to go so much better if everyone's funny. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. But people are just, they don't think about these things when you're doing open mics is that, you know, it's this experience that audiences 
probably never going to go to a comedy club or not go again for a long, long time. And what can you do to make that so they're like, I had the best that time. That was really good. Right, yeah. Right. Exactly. You, know? you want to make it an enjoyable experience. That's, right. You want to make it fun. Well, it's like you two. I mean, you right. two, you know, got a simpatico thing going on. And, <laughs> and you know to ask this question and to fake laughing at his jokes. And, <laughs> no, but. You, oh, you, you picked up on that, right? Amen on that. You picked up on that? On the fake laughing. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> quick story about fake laughing, which was. Oh, uh, God. And if my wife is listening, this is, this is all about you, hon. Because. When I did my showcase and uh, I invited friends over, you know, friends to go there and a whole bit, the whole ride from Dallas, from, from Hearst to Dallas, uh, oh, my wow. wife and my friends, my neighbors were all in this, in this truck and they were all pretending to fake laugh. They said, let's practice fake laughing because oh. he's probably going to suck. Oh, and wow. They, I said that you should have videotaped it because they were all like doing these belly laughs in the car and they were all fake laughing. And uh, when I found that out, you know, they, when they got off stage after the showcase, they were like, oh my God, you were pretty good. I'm we like, didn't have to fake they laugh. They go, we didn't have to fake laugh. I go, what are you talking about? And then one of my buddies go, oh, we were practicing fake laughing just so you didn't get upset. That's brutal. <laughs> wow. No, but that, John, that's awesome. Our showcase, we had over 100 people because yeah. it was at, at DCH. So it was sold out, and that's how we met. Um, and then uh, that was the best thing is I don't have a lot of friends and family in DFW or friends, and so no one really showed up to mine. But your friends came over to me, and I was like, "Thank yeah. you." Oh, my family, awesome. my family know. still loves you. They love, they, <laughs> yeah, you know they all. Right. Love, oh, it's amazing. Right yeah, there. yeah. There you go. <laughs> But it's anyway. like you're doing a magic show and all your friends are coming out and they're like, in a way they're like, let's all, ooh, ooh whoa, <laughs> try it again, ooh, ooh grandma, you're seven. faking it. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Okay, so how, when did you start? How long have you been doing it? Uh, it's been it 26 much? years now. 26 years. 26, 27 years, something like that. I had a couple false starts, but yeah. But that's, a, that's amazing to, I mean, we've talked about this, to be able to create a career out of it. Because it's not handed to you. That's that's right. something you've that's created work. yourself. Yeah, and I've been really lucky. You know, the radio helped out a lot. And, um, oh, that's good. Uh, just in, in terms okay. of, like, made me a draw at the improv and, and got my name out there. But, yeah, Paul Varghese is the only other comic I know who's stayed in Dallas and actually built a career. Like, I tell this all the time, if everyone's listening. Uh, you know, I think Dallas is a starter town. Yeah. And after you get your 15 minutes, it's time to leave. It's just time to leave. But actually... I realized this the other day, because I remember someone, I don't remember who told me this, it was a headliner years and years ago, he said, you know, you need 40 before you go to New York, and you need 20 before you go to L.A., because when you go to f New York with your 40, you're only going to have five, <laughs> and at least you can start from there, and you have your 20, when you go to L.A., you're only going to have five. In other words, you know, the first time I ever LA's worked in easier. Vegas, <laughs> I didn't realize, because it was 16 shows, it was Monday through Sunday, the first time I worked there, it took me till Wednesday to find my Vegas set, because my show was so regional... Oh. And the Vegas audience, Wouldn't that's the world. It. The whole world oh, yeah. is there. Oh, Russians yeah. and French. Oh, yeah. and, and so I had to rewrite and rethink and redo everything. And so that's part of it. When you go to New York or Chicago or L.A. or San Francisco, you know, you're going to realize how regional you are. You're going to realize how hackish you are in that. <laughs> not that you're purposely stealing, but it's like... You know, if you're lucky, someone will pull you aside and go, dude, that's just, that that's was, literally that's so just 2013. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that at this place. That's, that's the thing yeah. I'm really worried about. That's but why that, I like to that, do that, personal That brings stuff. up such a great point, man, with, um, with your audience. Like Vegas, you have the tourism capital of the world, so you have different... 
people from all over the place. Not Everybody like in California. Yeah, no, no, that's what I'm saying. It's a good point. <laughs> Shut up. You, no wonder you got three ex-husbands. Hey, <laughs> that's only because I was so loving. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I was so loving. No, but like California, you, you got most of your people, your regulars. New York, you have your regulars. Ca- Vegas, man, you got different people every single night. Yeah. And New you York, know? remember Jamie was talking about how he went and, and the audiences are very prone and very primed for stand-up. So it was yep. like he said he went through his set so fast because they would laugh for five seconds and then wait. For the, like right. they were ready. They were They're ready. like dogs with treats. It was. Yeah. yeah. yeah they yeah. eat it up there and it's different. And plus you're going on stage after Chris Rock or oh, everyone can't. knows Dave Chappelle's showing up later that night. I mean, you have yeah. to be, you know, this this tough New York, you know, sh- right. dude audience to win them over. It's, it's you know, that's why great comics come from bigger cities. And Dallas is very polite. I think audiences are very polite, which is great. It's nice. But it's it's <laughs> nice. But it's, you know, it's not like these big places. When you go up in Vegas, like the first time, one of the first times I ever went up in L.A., uh, Stu Smiley was in the audience. Now, he used to be the uh, talent uh, director for HBO. Yeah. And, you know, you go up and you're like, oh, this is a make or break bit. Like, wow, yeah. This Holy is a make crap. or break moment. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't go up or maybe I'll regret if I didn't, but, uh, uh, yeah. You know, and. Um, Which bit do I use? Uh, well, see, that's. Each, yeah. You get people in the audience. I don't know if you get it here, if you get uh, good talent scouts or I don't no. know what you want to call them scouts. Like Chris Roach um, uh, from. he Now he did uh, Kevin Can Wait. You remember mm-hmm. Chris Roach? Okay, yeah. Okay. He was playing governor and this is a great story because when we were talking he was like i was playing governor's comedy shop i was only going up there to do his uh five minutes and kevin james had just come in saw chris's saw chris's set and said you know what i gotta talk to him and he was like i'm got this new show coming up called kevin can wait i think he would play be an excellent uh and he got picked and um he goes and chris just turned around he goes it was like such a surreal moment he goes that if I didn't decide to go do that five minutes, yeah. he goes, his whole life would have been different. His whole life would have been different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now the show's canceled anyway, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, but that's a great credit. And, it, yeah. you, know, what, doubt. you know, in five years, that could lead to something oh, else. Oh, yeah. You and never know. Chris exactly. is very talented in the whole bit, but it just shows that New York, you have that. I'm sure that happens in California a lot, too. Well, it's the only reason you know, I agreed to people. do this show. If, is this doesn't set, if, I think this is, the last, <laughs> this is the last thing I haven't tried in Dallas. If this doesn't make it happen. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Dean. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've well, not you got seen a, us around. You got a good view of Six Flags. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, when when you decided to start doing corporate gigs, gigs, yes. very very business savvy. Um, what have you learned doing those? Is it almost like giving? You know, you have to. I, I assume you have to model everything to be really more PC on a whole nother. Yeah, level. here's here's the big thing. Is first of all, you're not ready for corporate unless you can do an hour squeaky clean. And what I mean by that squeaky is, there, wow, there can't be anything about race, religion, body functions, oh, even regions, uh, uh, weight. It, it's got to be just mostly. It's about them. Ah, and so you got to do research. So this is one reason why I charge a lot of money is that, you know, I do this questionnaire I send them and I usually go meet with them for an hour or so. Oh, nice. And um, when I go up there, I, you know, I almost want to be like I'm an employee. And, but the, the angle I always take is that I don't know anything. So I know exactly what's going on, but I'm like, so what is UTRs? What do you guys do? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but the other, here's the big lesson I've learned. And luckily I was never one of these guys, but the big lesson you have to learn is whoever's going to contact you at first about, Hey, you want to do a corporate show or whoever you contact? And they're mm-hmm. like, yeah, well maybe we'll have you in for a corporate show. If your set goes poorly, are you cuss or you do whatever? 
their job can be gone. I mean, they can literally get fired. Because they booked you. Yeah. Because they were the ones who stood up and said, I think this girl's going to be great. I think He's promised he'd be clean. And I know of comics who they just got to do their blue jokes. They just, I can do an hour to corporate, sure, because they're going to say that to get right. the money. Right, right, And they've got eight minutes, and then... It's Excuse me, and the then cuff. you just like oh, and then you got to go for it, and they're laughing. You think, well, they're on my side; it's okay. And I know a couple comics who, you know, headliners who've actually gotten people fired at events. Wow! After events, so that's the big thing about it. Why you know people say like you can get on gig salad as a thing in town or gig um, masters or whatever, and you can get on there and spend twenty bucks a month for the membership and have your friends fake. You know, he was great. We loved her or whatever. But then when the rubber hits the road, as they say, and, you know, you go in there, you don't, you don't have, if you can't do an hour squeaky clean. Now, sometimes they only want a half hour, but still, generally, they want an hour. They're paying a lot of money. Exactly. And right. you're the show, you know, they can either bring in keynote speakers, which, you know, they're usually sick of those. I and bet. those people are also 50,000. Yeah. You know, starting ten to fifty thousand starting. Yeah, that's crazy. Or you know, it's their holiday event, or they're launching a new item, or they've got, you know, they're a lot of times they're bringing clients in and they want to make this fun impression and let's have a fun different thing going on. Um, so you know, the way I started to get into the corporate again, I was working at the Dallas bad. Improv, and they used to get called all the time for corporate events, and I was the only one they would give them to because they're like, yeah, you're the only clean comic on in Dallas right now. Like we don't trust that they said we don't trust sending so-and-so because we know he'll be dirty we trust because it makes us look bad so oh, yeah. i was the only one doing it for a long long time and that's how i kind of in the back door learned a lot of this stuff um but you know those days nowadays a lot of corporations don't want to book comics because of that very reason they're scared they're, they're, scared. Afraid. they're afraid and that's one of the things i do is i have a hundred percent money back guarantee i'm like if someone brings it up like, can i tell you a real quick story yeah yes, yeah, yeah. yeah okay well okay. yeah we got a, we got a couple minutes okay yep. so i did this event one time and i asked this guy i said so uh what do you do? He says, um, I deliver semen. <laughs> Two-minute laugh. Just everybody. And it was very corporate, and you're not supposed to say anything. But he said it, and it's in my contract. If they say it, I don't, I'm not responsible. Right, 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 yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right. He said it, not you. Well, you're biting like, your lip. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wow. Um, okay. And he goes, uh, he goes yeah, I, do, I deliver it by the load. Another oh. two-minute laugh. Oh. So, but you're was, not doing any of it. I'm not doing any of it, and I just gotten, I just been started. So this woman next to him, she's like, she's she's waving to me, and she goes, "He's German. He doesn't understand. He sells cement." Oh, <laughs> that's a better laugh. <laughs> wow. So that was a, but I was still sweating it. I was like, I'm it's getting like, paid, so right? Didn't yeah, do yeah, this. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is. I, I just asked a question. That's all. I asked what he did. That's. I it. set him up, and yeah, he, but he just didn't down. speak English. She's like, I sell cement. But if you would, if you would have continued on. If you would have continued on, that may have been uh, yeah. You know, a Yeah. I wonder people. how many people in the Who room knows? knew what he was supposed <laughs> to say. It'd be wow. funny if after she said that, he was like, no, I actually... You know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, we actually probably should wrap up, right? Yeah. yeah. So Tell us it's been fun. Yeah, plug, plug. Okay, plug. so the workshop, uh, if you're interested, just contact me, dean at deanlewiscomedy.com. And that's my email. And because uh, I don't have a website for it, this is another corporate thing. Like I don't have that on my corporate website. I only have my corporate stuff on there. Yeah. And I don't have a. I don't want anyone looking up Dean Lewis for a corporate event and going, "Oh, so he teaches stand-up classes." Well, is that the guy we want? Yeah. Right, right. So that's why I don't have a, web, a website for it. And I've been lucky enough. I've been doing it long enough. It's just word of mouth and kind folks like you have me on. Yeah. So uh, just email me, Dean at DeanLewisComedy.com, and it's you'll get. I'll tell you, it's the eight classes. You get the workbook. You also get a one-on-one -on -one where after like the fourth class, you and I. 
hey, well, you and I will have an hour-long phone call where I'll work with you wow. on whatever you want to work on. Um, and then there's a showcase at the Addison. I mean, come on, the Addison right. Improv right. is awesome. The best room. And then you get yeah. the Eternals graduates pass. And also, if you get so like if you signed up. John, and then you had somebody else sign up and say, John told me about the class. You get $50 off. Oh, great. So I've had some people bring three so or four people. So I'm going to sign up. Hey, yeah. what about you? I uh, need man? to sign up. <laughs> I've had uh, some people sign up. Maddie Moser is talking about how amazing it is. Yeah. Uh, Maddie, yeah. I know her. <laughs> I know <laughs> yes. all these people. All these people are, yes. are like your fans, which is uh, good. Well, Thanks I loved all of them. Everyone things. does really great work. And, and, um, <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to say anything but, yeah. but nice things. No, I'll tell you, there's like two people I just hate. But I, <laughs> <laughs> and they're watching, so we have to be quiet. Uh, yeah. And let's go out. On, no, so Dean at Dean Lewis Comedy, and I think I'm going to start one. It'll be every other Saturday. This class starting in August will be every other Saturday. Uh, from 1 to uh, 4.30, and I teach at a place called Media Tech, which is at 6.35 and 35. It's like a film school. Okay. Oh, wow. So it's pretty centrally located. It's in a classroom. I wish it was more in a club, but um, we also do the showcase run-through at the Addison Improv on a Sunday morning, so at least you've been on the club stage once before the actual show. So uh, it's great, and uh, that's all i got to say. Yeah. The, that stage is intimidating. What, uh, Addison. what Addison? Yeah, it's intimidating. I don't know if it's just because of I know who who's been on it, but it's also really really bright. No, if you yeah. have listen, if you it's have daddy one. issues, <laughs> go to Dean Lewis. Obviously, um, I do divorce three times. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> And also, yes. every once in a while, I do a one-day joke writing workshop. But um, if you're just Dean at DeanLewisComedy.com, I'll tell you about all. You of won't. It. You won't regret it. Uh, Look at all these people. Best yeah. class ever. Yep, oh, thank We're you, just for our radio listeners, our Facebook followers are telling how amazing uh, the class is, and that's all I've ever heard yep. about your class. Yeah, just and, that, you know. and that's well, thank you. We've we and we have comics come through here all the time. Yeah, that's what that's, we. That's all they. All that's my all kids. They say. That's all they say is you. Yeah, well, they're all awesome, man. I appreciate Aww, that. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, let's get Is that it going. You're first. We're gonna. We're gonna. There we go. There we <laughs> go. So where's my T-shirt? <laughs> <laughs> we don't have any merch. We really need some merchandise. We need, well, we need money. So start. Yeah, let's start talking. You talk. Wow, wow this is the old set. Next week's Brothers of Form. No, this is not. That's, it. I don't know who's coming on. That's why there's a question, dude. What? That's right. The rest of oh, us. Oh. We don't have that book yet. All right. Next hey, week. how are you guys doing? Hey, how you doing? <laughs> next week we have comedian Wes Corwin. This week at the Addison Improv. Tommy Davidson. Get your tickets at improvaddison.com. There you go. July 12th, catch me, Meg King at hey. the Comedy Arena. Catch at, her. Not July 12th. <laughs> this Saturday. God, I did not do a good job. This Saturday. You did? Me at the Comedy Arena at 10 p.m. Please come watch. All right. Um, and then I'll be at the Addison Improv on right. 12, 7 p.m. Uh, for an all-female stand-up show. So come and maybe Dean will watch. And, okay, this, Who uh, this come is all all night, all all-female female yes. comedy thing. Supposed to be clean. <laughs> Looking to advertise your business or upcoming event? Mad Radio reaches every city, state, and country. Why just stay local when you can go global? Advertise with Mad Radio Show and be heard around the world. We are now offering very affordable advertising rates. That will fit into every budget. Send us an email at makingadifferencetx at gmail.com for more information on advertising packages. If you missed the show, don't sweat it. Be sure to log on to fbrn.us, Mad Radio page, and you can listen to all of our past podcasts. And maybe some other platforms coming up soon. Maybe. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Twitter, please, you guys. It's pathetic at this point. Uh, oh, yeah. And if you really love us, please log on to our Patreon page. Uh, give us money. You can cool. donate at least a dollar a month to keep us on the air. Because right now, we are self... What's the word? Financed. Sustaining. 
Self-financed. <laughs> All right. Self-financed. And we love you guys. So. Right. Well, this is a great rehearsal. Let's do it for real. Yeah, let's do it for real. Hey, so from then on, from now until next week, you ready? No, we're just making, we're just. I love this. Don't, don't be, be a snozberry. Lord God. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. Ha, ha, ha.